0: Hello and welcome to the Movie Change-Up Podcast. This episode is specifically The Wheel of Bond, James Bond. We've broken down uh, the topic of James Bond into 25 different discussion topics. Uh, This is all part of our James Bond Month here at the Movie Change-Up Podcast. We're all of September and I guess part of August 31st. We will be talking about uh, the James Bond franchise in preparation for No Time to Die, which comes out early October. Uh, so yeah, we've broken it. Like I said, we've broken down the topic of James Bond in 25 topics, and then me and my co-host will spin the wheel, and whatever topic it lands on will be our topic of discussion for the next little bit. And we'll just keep spinning the wheel probably for the next hour, hour and a half, or until we run out of topics. So uh, before we get started, let me introduce my co-host, uh, Johnny. Here, uh, by far the biggest James Bond fan here. How are you feeling about? Doing a James Bond month, and how are you feeling about the Wheel of Bond? James Bond.
1: I'm excited. You know, I, I do love James Bond. I I'm a It's my favorite franchise of all time, so I'm excited. We're dedicating a whole month to it, and I can get you guys to uh, appreciate the love of the franchise. I see Tristan, you know, having his drink over there. I hope he made the Vesper correctly. Um, I'm just watching him drink now. Yeah, but Tristan went all with the, with the shirt and tie. I was debating on that, but I wear that for uh, – for work most days. So I didn't want to do that for a podcast too. Um, but yeah, overall for the wheel, I'm excited. We have some interesting categories and I think, uh, we're all going to have kind of a different knowledge base of everything and a different feeling for certain movies or certain actors. Um, and I'm interested to just see where the wheel lands and what we have to say about it.
0: All right, and Tristan, you were the designer of this wheel, so what are your thoughts on it? You know more about these categories than either of us because I don't really remember any of them.
2: Yeah, I'm curious because I'm the newest, I guess, to Bond, at least coming in from the the three of us. Uh, And so I was very, very new coming up with the categories. so it was interesting as an outsider to think, okay, what would I like to hear them talk about? And as someone, as I was actively going through and watching them, what would I want to talk about? Because like I said, it's very fresh for me, and I didn't mention much in conversation how I was feeling about uh, the Bond franchise, but uh, I didn't want to, you know, change the mood just set the tone. I know Bobby and Johnny are very big fans of it, and I, I know Joe's having a good time with it, so I didn't want to, you know, be the downer because, you know, I'm loving this. This is actually incredible. This whole franchise has been so good. I can't believe how much I'm liking this. <laughs> At first I was watching Dr. No, I was watching From Rush With Love, and I was thinking, okay, I'm not sure how I'm feeling about this. But they're okay, but I don't know if I can take 25 of these but then i watched goldfinger and it was like so incredibly good and i couldn't believe how good it was and i've i'm loving this i'm not completely finished yet i have a handful left but i'm i'm having a great great time with this and i'm so happy that i'm doing this uh discussion here with you guys to talk about it and maybe get some insight from you guys who have seen more than i have so far
0: yeah Uh, I think I've seen 14 of the 24 at this point, so maybe Tristan has eclipsed me because I haven't been able to watch any in a few days, and I've also drank enough uh, that I have zero interest the last few days that I have zero interest in any alcohol for the next month, probably.
2: Um, There you go. Positive review to the Vesper Martini, by the way. I followed the exact (laughs) recipe according to the the internet. Uh, That is the James Bond official recipe, but I'm liking it. I... I'm not a, particularly a gin fan, but I'm a vodka fan, so I'm having a good time with it.
1: There you go. Yeah, you gotta. If you're not as big in a gin, you gotta switch up, go a little more vodka than gin. And uh, the Lillette is good. It, I think it adds a nice little uh, compliment to it. So it's not something that I ever choose to drink but because I'm more of like a bourbon guy. But I I, 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 appreciate it
2: for the occasion. I felt like I had to. Yeah. And of course, it was shaken and not stirred. Of course. I made sure I got it on camera for the official evidence.
0: All right. And uh, if you guys are ready to get started, let's spin the wheel. I'll go first to, to bring up our first topic, and then uh, we'll go from there. Let's do it. Uh just have to remember how to do this. Oops. <laughs> we are professionals All here. All right. It's going. We're spinning the wheel. I hear it. Oh, you do? A
1: little bit.
0: Oh, well, what a great topic to start off with because our first topic of discussion is the best Bond moments. Uh, All right. I I think there's a lot to pick from, and for some reason it won't let me uh, remove it. Uh, So hopefully we just don't land on that topic again. Uh, But yeah, best Bond moments. Uh, There's a lot to pick from, honestly. I think uh, I'm currently, like I said, doing a watch through and ranking them, and if you see my rankings, you'll probably realize why most of my favorite moments come from the Daniel Craig movies because those are typically uh, where I lean. Uh, But I would say, outside of the Craig moments, my favorite one I think is in the Living Daylights uh, when Timothy Dalton is going down a mountain using a cello to steer uh, the sled or, what, or is he just in the cello case? He's in the
1: cello case.
0: Yeah, he's in the cello case, using the cello to steer and that that may be... My, I texted Johnny as I was watching this that if someone had told me that this was a moment in the Bond franchise, I would have watched this a long time ago and I think that may be my number one favorite Bond moment as well as any any time that Knickknack is on screen. In uh, Oh yeah.
1: Which one... The Man with the Golden Gun. The Man
0: with the Golden Gun. Yeah, anytime knick-knack is on screen is probably my
1: runner-up for Nick favorite. knack Tabasco. I love that. That's like one of my favorite lines. It's just so dumb. And it's the first thing you hear in that movie. Um, but yeah, that's a great choice. I love that, you know, The Living Daylights, when it came out, they're like, okay, we got to kind of ground this thing after the Roger Moore movies and still had the cello scene, which <laughs> is so ridiculous and fun. Um, in the middle of an otherwise... Like a pretty down-to-earth Bond movie, not a ton of like crazy stuff in it, um, but you get that fun scene. If we're going um, like round discussion, I think for best Bond moments for me, there's so many from like the Daniel Craig movies. Like you get the the torture scene in um, Casino Royale is is good. Um, Silva's introduction in Skyfall, I love Javier Bardem's uh, monologue when he walks into the room. I think some people think like it's a little too ridiculous, but it's so perfect, like Bond villain. Um, it, it's such a great scene. My personal favorite from any um, of the Bond movies, my favorite scene is the opera scene in Quantum of Solace. Um, I think it's just shot beautifully. It's uh, It looks different than anything you've seen in a Bond movie before, like cutting between the, the opera and what's going on around it. And I just love that you don't see a lot of bond nowadays, like after the Connery era, you don't see a lot of bond actually being a spy. And I think that scene really gives you the opportunity to see Craig do that because he goes on the radio and talks to everyone in there and all of the, like most of the bad guys start getting up and leaving and he identifies them and sends all the pictures to MI six. I think that's a really cool, um, fun scene, but shout out also to, uh, to knickknack that, uh, is one of my favorite characters of the franchise and every time he's on screen, even if he's throwing full bottles of wine that explode into emptiness and there's no wine in them at the end of that movie um, you know, it's always fun with knickknacks there
0: yeah, and Scott, I think Skyfall was the last movie I see before I went back to Michigan and yeah, that was a great moment of when all the spies get up, as well as I like the moment when uh, he's just he just like was outfitting his old house to like go take on yeah uh,
1: yeah yeah the, yeah, yeah, the home like... alone moment in skyfall but in um the the opera scene is from quantum oh yeah right but okay. yeah the skyfall is uh it has a ton of fun moments and that was one i was like not as big on after i saw it and then re-watching it i'm like yeah this movie's a ton of fun i really like this movie
0: when you watch 14 movies all in the same franchise they blend together a little bit somewhat
1: I want to
2: shout out a moment that for me was definitely didn't blend together is the ending of Her Majesty's Secret Service, the death of James Bond's wife, because when you switch that movie and you're realizing like Bond is going to get married, <laughs> how are they possibly going to resolve that Bond is married? Like that can't, they can't go forward with that in the franchise. And I was wondering like, do they just leave this unresolved because I know the actor doesn't come back. But that last moment was pretty shocking. And I think the movie overall is like ups and downs for me, but I think that ending really kind of solidifies the darker elements of that movie together. So I think that's a moment that
1: I wanted to shout out. I used to, and, and with that scene, my favorite thing about that scene is that they were trying to get Lazenby to come back for another movie and he wouldn't sign a contract. So that was supposed to be the opening of Diamonds Are Forever with George Lazenby as his next movie. And they were like, we don't know if he's coming back and we can't leave this movie with Bond being married. So we have to kill... Uh, Tracy at the end and I think it just puts like a perfect end on that movie I wouldn't have liked it to have been like if he came back and it was split up I think that would have been good but it would have been so weird if he just ends it married and then they lose Lazenby and bring back Connery and it's like alright what do you do now because the last thing we saw Bond do was get married um, so I, I and I think the dark ending works well with kind of a darker tone film oh. overall than like the happy ending of a of a wedding would have been Yeah, especially
2: because the Bond movies before this have all ended on like an extreme positive note, like Bond gets the girl and gets away and wins and just kind of like go up the pan up to the sky and everything's good. And this is for the first time so far that, at least in my view, I didn't necessarily watch these in order. I kind of just went through randomly. But for me, that was the first time I watched one. And it was like, wow, this is actually a dark ending. This is one that I wasn't expecting necessarily to be that dire of a note on on the finale there. Mm -hmm.
1: All right, All right Johnny, that, you ready uh, for your wheel spin? Yeah, I'm ready for my wheel spin.
0: All right. Uh, hmm. All right well, uh, we're gonna spin again, and I'm gonna delete that because we got best bond moments. So. <laughs> it's
2: just I'm that, questioning that, the that, RNG of that spinner. Yeah.
0: Well, it just wouldn't let me uh, remove it last time, but now I'm just physically deleting it. I'm just gonna do that every time. There we go. And uh, now,
1: the anticipation builds.
0: All right, Johnny, you get to talk about your favorite Bond me- or just Bond memories. They could be good, they could be bad.
1: All right, so yeah, Bond memories. Um, I think most people who get into the franchise uh, when they're younger get into it because they watch the movies with their with their dad or mom or parents who are, are into it. Uh, in my case, my dad is a huge James Bond fan. So I remember I used to go, um, to blockbuster like every week we would go and I would get a Godzilla movie and a James Bond movie. So I kind of watched them all when I was a kid. And some of them like, you know, I, I, started with the Roger Moore movies like my dad was a big live and let die fan. So I watched a lot of those. And some of those are a bit lighter toned, kind of more fun. Um, you know, like Moonraker type of movies. And then I got into just getting him by myself and watching him. And I got like from Russia with love. And I remember when I was really little being like seeing Sean Connery, a guy who looked like Sean Connery, because it's the actor getting strangled in the beginning and being like, I don't think I can watch this. Like, this isn't what I, what I can do. So I stopped watching it when I was a kid, because it was just a little too dark for me. And I went back to the, the franchise, like, you know, a couple years later and I, I watched every one and I, I loved it. Um, but I think the first Bond movie I actually saw in theaters would have been Casino Royale. Um, and I love going to see movies in theaters and stuff, but yeah, other than that, I'm glad my, I'm glad I can look back and say that like basically my favorite Bond movie is the first one I saw in theaters and <laughs> the first one I saw in theaters was not die another day, which I was excited to try to see when I was a kid. Um, and that wouldn't have uh,
0: Good I I don't know. There.
1: I don't know what my feelings would have been. If I saw that, I was like, Eight or nine, so I probably would have liked it because at that time I feel like any movie is good because it's a movie. But I'm glad I can look back on the franchise and like The first movie I I saw was not uh, or in theaters was not Die Another Day. But yeah, as far as memories go, like I just got super into the franchise because of that and kind of faded from it for a little bit um, in the middle there because like when Quantum came out, I was not as into it um, at the time. And now it's one of my favorite Bond movies but I just kind of grew up with it and have watched it evolve over the years and rewatching it over quarantine. I rewatched every movie and some I hadn't seen since I was a kid. So it was really exciting to revisit some of those and be like, Oh man, I remember like these weird characters and this weird hockey moment um, that we might get to if we land on worst moments of the franchise, but like in for your eyes only liking that as a kid and then watching it and being like, man, what, what the hell is this? Like, You get a lot of that when you revisit it which is which is a fun angle so i'm always finding new things or having new memories every time i watch one of the movies which is which is awesome
2: yeah i'll definitely agree and say that as i'm going through these watching them, binging essentially is like there's a lot of moments you're like they did that in a movie like in a a franchise big budget blockbuster movie they just thought that was a good idea it'll be fun if you get to worst bad moments there's a few where i was like oh they're just going for that (laughs) But yeah, I have some really positive memories about Bond, even though I was not a fan of the franchise, it was always something that was kind of around me, and particularly the video games, I played a lot of those when I was a kid, and my friends were super into it, they had the N64 versions of a bunch of GoldenEye, and then we had the PS2 games, you played a bunch of that, so I had like dozens and dozens of hours of Bond experience through that, <laughs> so it's been fun to go and watch it and kind of see those characters and those weapons and those places come to life in, in their actual movie form, but... One memory for me that is Bond-related is seeing Spectre opening weekend. Uh, I didn't have much context for Bond, but I was going to college at the time, so the only way to get to the movie theater from there was to take a bus. That took me like 45 minutes to get to a Walmart, and then I had to walk from the Walmart like a mile to get to the movie theater, and then I had to see, th- see it there and walk all the way back again to get to the bus that came every hour on the hour. So if the movie let out at 12.05, you wouldn't make it. You had to wait a whole another hour again. If the movie let out at 12.45, you better run because you got to make it to by 1 o'clock. So it was a really fun kind of experience. If you wanted to see a movie, you had to like run the gauntlet. So it was like, is this worth going and seeing? And Spectre was one that was fun. I had no context of all the connective stuff and how it tied the franchise together, but I thought it was fun to see Daniel Craig's Bond. And that was my one of my first in-theater experiences with Bond because I saw Casino Royale and then I saw that. And that was my, those are my only two theater experiences with Bond so far. So I'm excited to see No Time to Die. But yeah, for Bond memories, those are my big two. And I watch *Austin awesome Powers* a lot too, so I have some *Austin awesome Powers* memories. But maybe another another episode.
0: All right, yeah. My uh, as far as memories of Bond, there are very few. Uh, to the point where I think I was in high school, and I was at a friend's house, and uh, he threw on *Doctor Strangelove*, and like, I wasn't as big into movies like quite then yet, because I think I was like a freshman or sophomore, and like maybe twenty minutes into the movie i was like when the hell does james bond show up into this because i i confused <laughs> dr strangelove and dr no and like if you don't know any but like dr strangelove sounds like a a bond movie title if you don't know any different yeah and so that's basically the extent of my bond memories until this bond marathon that i started uh, a couple weeks ago
1: there you go well, i like right. i like that
0: all right uh tristan uh you ready for your spin of the wheel
2: i'm ready for my spin give me a good one joe get Tristan some trivia oh god please don't
0: you are ooh. you get a fun one not sure what it is Tristan you are pitching a bond crossover
2: oh god a bond crossover why did I put that one in there Uh, anyway (laughs) look that's part of the game it's a Russian roulette-esque thing so One thing that was criticized in Spectre a lot was that they try to tie things together, so I tried to throw this in. It's like, okay, if you had to, like, if you had to actually do a Bond crossover, what are you going to do? Like, You're held at gunpoint by the studio. This is what you got to do. So My Bond crossover, I have a couple lines here that I wrote down really quickly of who I wanted to be in it. Uh, I'm going to have the opening scene be uh, George Lasnery's character uh, doing kind of a mission as Bond. He's older than he's been, uh, so it's just sort of like a fantasy where they're all kind of the prime age for their characters, but Uh, Lazenberry is on a mission. He's a bit older than he normally is, but he's on this one late career mission. He gets captured. So now he's captured, and Timothy Dalton's Bond, who's kind of like the active Bond at the time of this movie, has to team up with Sean Connery's Bond. He's kind of retired. He's been doing that for a while. He stepped away. So those two got to team up. You get Timothy Dalton getting another shot. He had those two that I thought were some of the best of the Bond movies, teaming up with the all-time classic Sean Connery and they go on a rescue mission to get George Lazenby back. So you give Lazmi a chance to give a, get a couple more scenes in his Bond, but you're not relying on him as the star of the movie. So that would be my cheesy, bad Bond crossover. But hey, if you got to do it, I think that would be a fun way to do it and bring in those three together.
1: There you go. So you're crossing over with the Bond franchise, but different actors. All right. That's what I I'm like doing. That, that way. I think the, the chalk pick here would be a crossover with Mission Impossible. Um, I think people would... You know be excited for that like if we had craig and tom cruise you know you get james bond and ethan hunt in a movie that seems like something a studio would do um but i'd, I'd rather see bond like i i can't even think of like who i would want but i'd see bond like crossover with just like a great movie villain from another franchise and have to face off with him you know but like most like Hans Gruber from yeah. Die Hard or something. Yeah, like get like that. Um, I'd I'd like to see maybe a, just Bond interacting with a villain from another franchise would be fun. Um, or Bane. just doing a crossover and bringing it. Yeah, Bane. Yeah, Tom Hardy's Bane in a <laughs> Bond I am mi six like reckoning. That. Jack Sparrow yeah, he maybe. Mi six. Yeah, Jack Sparrow. There you go. Huh. Or Javier Bardem from whatever pirates movie he yeah. was in, and he's like, "You kind of look familiar." Huh. It's interesting because
2: Bond goes through so many tones. You could make it like a comedy crossover. You could make it like a hard drama crossover. You could do any kind of franchise. (laughs) Any ideas, Joe?
0: Uh, Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. So uh, there's some diamond stealing going on in New York that they need to make like clocks that they're going to use for bombs. And they're trying to figure out where these diamonds are being funneled through. So James Bond goes to his New York diamond connection. And it's Adam Sandler's character in Uncut Gems. <laughs> and I would love to see Daniel Craig's Bond have to interact with Adam Sandler's character in Uncut Gems.
1: Well, it's Howard. Like, um, Howard. Yeah, it's Howard, Howard Ratner.
0: Howard Ratner, yeah. I'd love to see him have to. Like, it's just not as a villain, but just like this fun side character that's in one or two scenes. I think it'd actually be kind of interesting and fun. Of yeah, just like him like running, like following follow behind. That. Daniel Craig's bond as he's going. And to I can
2: see Daniel Craig's bond just being instantly tired of the guy, and he's like, <laughs> "How do I get rid of this man?" But he has, to, he's constantly tied to him, and he's constantly showing up. Maybe he has a couple of scenes here and there, so it's like every plot point. All of a sudden, Adam Sandler's there, and he's like, "How are you involved
1: in this?" Yeah. All right. All
0: right. All right. All right. Yeah, I
1: like those ideas.
0: All right, so that brings us back to me.
1: Back to Joe spinning the wheel.
0: Let's see if it'll let me remove it. There we go. You spin. Let's see what I get. Ooh, this'll be... Ooh, where's it gonna land? I get to talk about a guy we've been talking about a little bit here, and that's uh, George Lazenby. Uh, or I th- as
1: Tristan calls him, George Lazenberry. <laughs> uh, it's one of those words.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, I think he was a fun Bond. I enjoyed him as Bond. I definitely would have loved to see if he had signed that contract and we could maybe get two or three movies out of him, because I know... He, I think he was Australian, right? He's the only non... Yeah. UK person to play James Bond mm-hmm. in an official uh, James Bond movie but yeah I really liked his movie his uh, Honor Majesty, Secret Service is one of the my more favorite movies that I've watched so far I kind of like his I liked his Bond girl in his movie I thought his villain was fun I just overall liked the plot and uh, I think I just would have liked to see more from him it's hard to talk about it when it's only been one movie but yeah
1: yeah, I'll say this. If, if, you, um, if you like Honor, Majesty, Secret Service as much as I think all of us do, I think it's a super underrated uh, Bond movie or you're just interested in the franchise and you want to see like, why did the studio go with a guy who had never acted before? He was in commercials before he got the role. Watch Becoming Bond on Hulu. It's a really awesome documentary that interviews George Lazenby um, and he tells stories of his life, his career, how he became Bond, the trouble with the contract, and everything, and they reenact moments. And Josh Lawson, who was uh, Kano in the new Mortal Kombat movie, is George Lazenby as like the younger man, um, reenacting the the stories that uh, real George Lazenby is telling. It's a really fun documentary, and it goes into some stuff. You know, it's he's an unreliable narrator um, in a way because you get these crazy stories. You don't know how much of it is true, how much of it is is fake. And they kind of questioned him on that in the, um, in the interview. Um, but it's a really fascinating story of just this dude basically just conned them. He made a fake resume, said he was in a bunch of movies in Australia. They believed him and he had the right, the right look. Um, and I believe he like got in a fight with someone and they and they saw him basically like punch someone and they're like, all right, that's James Bond. <laughs> I think he accidentally like hit a stunt double or something. And they were like, Oh yeah, this dude can actually fight so he's bond now and and just in general my thoughts on him i don't think he is a great actor in the movie like i think the ending would really stick out more if you get um a little better reaction or someone who's acted but i think he does well for someone who basically never acted before and then started doing um this was in a huge franchise all of a sudden but he has the look and he has the physicality he is really good in the in the fight scenes that are so ahead of their time in that movie. And I don't know if they would have been uh, with a different actor. definitely wouldn't have been if you had an aging Sean Connery in that movie rather than like Lace and B. So you do get the weird, good morning. I'm Bond, James Bond in like the opening on the beach. It's like 80 yard. It's not a lot of great acting, but I, I think he looks the part and he uh, has the physicality, maybe not the acting chops. Hey, that never happened to the other fella. That, yeah, that worst moment <laughs> to the franchise.
2: Infamous line that I'll never live past. And almost, right into the
1: camera. It
0: almost makes less sense that he signed on to do a second one. Like, I feel like that was your lottery ticket, and he was
1: just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> well, the thing about him is, for anyone who doesn't know why he didn't just stick with Bond, it wasn't because the studio was like, you know, this movie didn't work or he wasn't great. It was because he became a hippie and was so, like, anti industry and, um, like, he thought bond represented like the man like guy in shirt and tie and he grew his hair out famously he um the studio was pissed at him because he wouldn't shave his beard for the james bond premiere so there was just a big fallout because he was just a weird kooky guy Ah. and he got really into like you know he was like the lsd hippie 70s phase because he was bond in you know the late 60s so it was like that moment really hit and he fell into it and was like yeah i'm anti-establishment i can't be james bond and just that's why he never signed the contract and they had to change the movie and he never came back not because the studio said you're not good it was just because he was weird <laughs> and didn't want to do it
2: I think it's fascinating all that story behind the scenes I did hear some of that I heard oh he was this kind of became this hippie he didn't really hit he like steps away from the franchise after when he wouldn't shave for the premiere. I heard that kind of stuff but yeah it's interesting to hear it all put together I like that he's kind of the rebellious bond he has like this one-off mm-hmm. that's really kind of dark and different and He's like he has this weird one-off thing in the the middle of the franchise. This one that, if I was not planning on watching all of it, might have been one that I just skipped or one that I saved towards the end. But I made it a point to at least see one of every bond before we started the month here. So, of course, that's the only one you can watch. So I had to watch his one, and I think it's okay. I think his action is great. He's a great fighter. Uh, He sells all the fight scenes, but his his actual acting chops are not very good. And I think. Like Sean Connery really sells like the seductive kind of sweet talker who mm-hmm. can talk his way into anything and talk to anyone and everyone kind of just like goes along with it. And he doesn't seem like that kind of bond to me. He sells the physicality, but as much as like the charmer, the guy who could sleep with anybody, the guy who could talk his way into any room. And that's not, I didn't see that from him. And I think the chemistry between him and the lead weren't the lead women, uh, didn't necessarily sell either. So like when you make it, Oh, this is the one that this is bonds, like one woman, the one that turned him into a man, you know, the one that, took him away from the spy life i didn't buy that chemistry at all and i think you can tell that he didn't get along with people on the set and i think that kind of transcended into the movie a bit but a nice outlier kind of performance for bond and not not like super weird either it's not one where you're like what were they thinking you're like oh i I see what they're doing with it you know it's not like a batman and robin type thing it's like oh i see what they're going for with this character it didn't necessarily work for me the movie has moments talk more about the movies in particular when we do the brackets i think but yeah, I think Lazenbury, for me sold the physicality, but the rest of it kind of missed. <laughs> so I, can't, I said his name wrong again. Now it's gonna be stuck in my head the wrong the whole time. That's his new name. Now it's canon.
1: The other, the other last thing about him is, I mean, if you watch that movie, you're like, man, this dude can can act because he can do an American, he can do like an American accent when he's Doctor Hillary Bray. But he was just ADR. That's not even his voice. He couldn't put on an accent. They just they just dubbed over it which they did all they did so much ADR in this franchise it's crazy um obviously Goldfinger the the actor was just he lied about how much English he could speak these producers really just (laughs) fell for a lot of shit back then casting wise but um then they just they ADR'd him like for and it's weird because it's like a good portion of the movie where he's putting on that voice and you don't actually hear Lazenby talk as Bond I think that doesn't exactly help him succeed as bond
2: yeah that held, holds it back for sure you don't see enough of him actually being bound and hmm. trying to sell that swagger of bond so i, I wish he would have gotten another movie but at the same time like i didn't love his performance so i'm not too bad that he didn't get another one <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah
0: all right johnny you ready for your wheel spin
1: i'm ready for the wheel spin i'm excited i uh looking through the categories hoping on a couple
0: Ooh, this—you're—you're you're probably the only one that can talk about this. It's uh, Casino Royale '67.
1: Oh, the classic, Jimmy Bond. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Casino Royale—it uh, was a spoof movie, kind of, uh, of James Bond. Uh, Ian Fleming sold the rights to uh, Casino Royale, the book, and the studio made it. And Woody Allen is in it. Orson Welles is in it, which is wild. Um, As Lashief, if you guys have seen Mads Mickelson, is great. But yeah, Orson Welles, who could have been an amazing Bond villain. They wanted him for Goldfinger, but then got lied to by a dude who barely spoke English. (laughs) um, Went that direction instead. Uh, But that could have been Orson Welles. Instead, you get the. This is a wild. Just the story behind this. Um, If you get the. Bond set, like all of the movies, it comes with a, a documentary. And I think they, I don't know if they named that one specifically, but there is a documentary called Everything or Nothing. And they mentioned this as well. Just Fleming didn't know his movies would work. He sold the rights and they ended up making this. And I mean, it's so, it's unwatchable. It's, if anyone has ever bothered to check it out, like I want to be a Bond completist. So I watched this. And yeah, you get Peter Sellers, who's great, Orson Welles, who's great david niven like ursula andres who's in dr no as honey rider is in this movie and it's just it's just wild how how much it it fails you get woody allen as jimmy bond you you can't really forget that but it's just uh if also if you look on the imdb it is the directing credits uh there are six directors so you know a movie (laughs) didn't really go too well if that happens but they wanted to make an american version of james bond that americans would get behind and instead just made a big flop it didn't work um and everyone hated it and ian fleming really hated it so just a weird thing it, there are a lot of bond spin-offs, but this one actually having the casino royale name is so wild
2: yeah i haven't seen this one all the way through i made an attempt at one point like a while ago to watch this one and I made like maybe three minutes in and I was like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to watch this. <laughs> I'll Go ahead and turn that one off. Maybe I'll come back to it when I have some Bond experience. You know, maybe at the end it'll be my finale of this whole binge. But yeah, I mean, it's weird. You look at the cast on paper and it sounds like it would be a really good, effective comedy. And it's, it just wasn't, it just doesn't work. And it's very lost. And there you can, like, you look at the stuff behind the scenes. And Peter Sellers had that whole ego trip on the set of this. And he was like, made this whole movie about himself and put himself in the lead, and he didn't get along with some of his co stars. And, like, it's just a shit show, and it comes through into the, into the product from what I've seen. I'll finish it eventually. But yeah, from the first 30, 40 minutes, it was not one that I was super hyped about. Uh, there's another Bond, a couple other, yeah, like you mentioned, some Bond ripoffs or offs that kind of took names from the franchise. Sean Connery even did one himself essentially with the other spin-off, but this is by a mile the worst one from what I've seen of it.
1: Yeah, it's weird. it's weird that like – because I've read Casino Royale, the book, and it's a dark spy novel. You get a really, really dark torture sequence um, that they did an updated version of in the in the real Casino Royale movie we got in 06. But they sold this, and they're, they're, the studio was like, you know what we need to do? Make this a, a spy spoof movie, which is weird. I, I don't know how long it was in production for because literally – There's 11 writers credited IMDb and six directors. So you know that it was in development for a while. I don't know if it started off as like, we need to just make like a real spy movie and we have the rights for this. And then they just, I don't know, Peter Sellers and Woody Allen got involved and it turned into a comedy, but it's, it's a weird, weird movie that this, that this exists. I don't know. There's a lot of drama with Bond, Um, like, rights issues and stuff like that it's the reason we got um never seen ever again which is just thunderball but remade with sean connery but it's an eon production because they you know basically producers split up and one dude had the rights to certain movies it's just it's just there's a lot of fun drama with this with this franchise and it leads to movies like this being made
2: it reminds me a lot of my favorite franchise where it's like you walk into it and you don't know if you're going to get something great, if you're going to get something terrible, if it's going to get something that's a crazy spinoff from a different studio that they stole the rights from. <laughs> it's kind of a wild ride to, to follow it. And yeah, if you're ever planning on doing a binge like this, I've been watching videos as I go along, just kind of getting some behind the scenes stuff for each of the movies. And I think that adds a tremendous amount to the experience just to get
1: like, like you said, the studio drama that led to what we got. Yeah. Um, Joe, you have any thoughts on Casino Royale? You ever tried to watch it?
0: Nope, never tried to watch it. It sounds like it's the Star Wars holiday special of James, of the James Bond franchise.
1: Uh, That's a good way to look at it. It's not exactly part of the franchise, um, particularly, but yeah, it is, it is very much like that. Just a failed attempt at a comedy something.
0: Yep. All right. Um, It's something. Tristan, you ready for your wheel spin?
2: I'm ready for my spin. Joe, give me a good one.
0: You get whatever the wheel gods give you the wheel bonds
2: i'll pray to the wheel of gods please gods <laughs> something good it's
1: like whatever all right this would
0: be all. a fun one uh you get iconic bond quotes okay
2: well of course i gotta start off with shaken not stirred i feel like anyone who ever orders a martini at any restaurants wants to do that at least once <laughs> and <laughs> say the line like bond has a lot of good quotes like that of course like bond james bond those are the big iconic ones but course, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Like you can rattle off a hundred of, of great Bond quotes. It's something that I think is really impressive about the franchises. There's a bunch of quotes and they're like all over the place too. It's not like one actor gets all of the quotes or one gets like none. I think all of them have a couple of creepy moments for Sean Connery. One that stuck out was towards the a of Goldfinger when he drops the guy into the into the uh, tub and he says, shocking. that's like a one little line there that I think immediately sets the tone for this movie being a lot lighter than, for Russia with Love and I think it sets like the quippiness up for Bond because those first two movies aren't necessarily quippy but he is quippy from that point forward and I think that's a one that definitely hit me and as soon as he had said that line I was like oh this is going to be a better movie than the last two at least for me personally (laughs) so Mm -hmm. that's one that I'll always look back to is like a turning point quote for Bond and then if I'm talking so of course names Bond James Bond they've all said that one way or another so but for me the best has got to be Daniel Craig's at the end of Casino Royale because you have the whole movie building up to like him being Bond and what does it mean to be Bond and him finding that identity. And then him saying that at the last second, saying, I am Bond, James Bond. It's like his decla- him declaring himself to be that character. And I thought it was a great, great finale. And I remember being in a theater without any context to the rest of the franchise. People were all clapping and cheering. And I, I felt that moment. So that's one for me that I think if, you, if you're talking that iconic quote, that's probably the best one.
1: Yeah, I would say for me, like if you're talking about like Tristan mentioned, the most famous is Bond, James Bond, Shaken Not Stirred, and No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die at all those written. But the Bond, James Bond, for me that sticks out is the first time Sean Connery says it in Doctor No, you don't see his face until then, and then you get the close up of him with the cigarette in the casino, and you get the Bond. James Bond he's so confident, you know who the character is. Like he just stepped right into it and it's just like one of the most classic cinematic, uh, moments of all time. Um, but I do like the Daniel Craig one waiting till the end was smart. They didn't think that they needed to do it like right at the beginning to get people into it. You kind of go the whole movie like, Oh, are they not going to do it? And then, then he does, um, and the perfect spot at the end for me, we haven't really mentioned a lot of browser movies yet. Um, but one of my favorite lines is when, uh, you know, the whole movie, you get the, yeah, at the beginning you get, uh, Alec Trevelyan, Sean Bean's character saying, you know, for England, James, and, you know, Bond goes for England and then they go on their mission. And I really like that. And then at the end you get, um, right before, uh, Bond drops Trevelyan to his, to his overkill death. Um, (laughs) he looks up and he says for England, James and Brosnan, probably the best line reading he does as an actor, uh, in his Bond career just looks down and goes, no, for me. And drops him, and and I really like the the performance of him. I love that line. That's always something that stood out to me. Is like a really badass thing to say before you you kill someone. It's not like a corny. You get a lot of corny one liners in the Bond franchise, um, but this one is just like a straight up like that's a that's a badass line. And and he and he drops him to his death. And I, I that one always stood out. And obviously, Nick knack Tabasco, as I mentioned, is one of my favorites. Also, um, the only line that we ever get to see. Uh, from Jaws I believe it's uh, just like well here's to us before they're floating off to space in Moonraker those lines always stand out when it's something weird like that all do you, right, any yeah. that you uh, have any famous quotes for
0: me I, I'm a big fan of the cheesiness and the cheesy one liners the two that immediately stick out obviously you have the like core ones that are in every movie but the ones that stick out for me are the number one the one Johnny doesn't like it all of this never <laughs> happened to the other fella I thought it was a great. Bad line. I thought it was great and cheesy and dumb and perfect. And then the other one talking about uh, movie ending lines, another Pierce Brosnan movie of I thought Christmas only came once
1: a year. <laughs> I, I think uh, great Joe, literally the worst two lines of the franchise, Joe Mams to mention in uh, I love the
2: Sean Connery line when she says nice
1: push the galore and she he says, I must be dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, his reaction to everyone's name is always fun. Um, like I don't know I, I like too that like the, the Bond James Bond going back to that came from because she introduces herself as Trench Sylvia Trench and then he goes Bond James Bond <laughs> I kind of like that he kind of took that from her because in the original like Casino Royale book he he asks Vesper if he can steal her name for his drink and it kind of is like a a play on that like she has this thing and then it becomes Bond's thing you know but you kind of get the idea that he only responded that way because of her. They don't do it at all. in for with love. And then they bring it back later in the, um, in the Connery movies. And then by the time like Moore is in it, it became the thing of, okay, when is he going to do it? And then you kind of look for it in every movie. And then you get that performance from like Moore always was like more um, friendly. I feel like when he did it, like, Oh, like I'm happy to introduce myself. I'm bond. bond. James bond. And then you get Timothy Dalton and he purposely wanted to downplay it. So in uh living daylights they get done with the training mission he lands on that boat and he just like calls someone on a phone is just like it's bond james bond and just like does it but i love seeing every actor's like first attempt at it um because you get weird ones that don't work like Lazenby, and and then you get weird ones like dalton's which kind of works but he downplays it and then you get like by the time you get to craig like that that's a really awesome one and then rosin's is a throwback to the casino in dr no because he says it in the casino in goldeneye um, I yeah, I always look for that moment and and the quotes, but yeah, the cheesy lines, Joe. This never happened to the other fellow, right in the camera. it Doesn't even make sense for the scene. Huh. Like, yes, it did. He just got attacked, and then <laughs> he fought guys, and he's like, "Oh, this <laughs> never not happen to the other fellow." What, he's never gotten in a fight about?
2: before. Yeah, I
0: will say, I love all the moments out. though where it's like the cheesy one-liner relating to like how the guy died, of like you know throwing somebody out of a plane, and some people are like, oh, what happened to that guy? Oh, he had to make a quick exit. Yeah. Just, like, all those type of lines, I, I'm a big fan of.
1: Yeah, I love the one-liners. Sometimes they're overly corny, and sometimes they're kind of clever, but usually they stick out like, oh, he shouldn't have said that. Huh. But I do want to see, I think they kind of went to it. Um, I don't even remember what they did, but in Spectre, I think Craig had a couple because they were trying to do a throwback, but it didn't seem to fit with, with him as yeah. as a character as much. I don't see that in Craig's Bond. No.
0: Alright, y'all ready to move on to our next <laughs> spin of the wheel?
2: Let's spin it.
0: I said it. win of the spiel, and I'm like, those aren't words. Win
1: of the spiel.
2: They are words, they're just not the right ones.
0: Yeah, that's not so true. Alright, let's see what I get. Hopefully, I get something fun. Ooh. Ooh, this will be. I get Dream Bond Director.
1: All right, I'm interested to see who Joe thinks, and I feel like both of you might not might not want to show all your cards for your matchup coming at the end of the month. So I'm excited to see what you guys. have You know to who say I think would this. be a
0: great Bond director? Steven Spielberg. He saying "Who <laughs> I could?"
1: Who That's I honestly the first person I wrote down.
0: Steven Spielberg, I think. You know, you get a little James, or no, you get a little Indiana Jones with some Catch Me If You Can, and maybe a little bit of Saving Private Ryan sprinkled in. I think could be. You know, make for a good James Bond movie. Another person I've thought of as someone Johnny's used before in uh, director choices, if you wanted to go more of like the John Wick kind of raid style movies, is someone who hasn't directed a movie in a while, is like a- Alexi Alexander, someone like that to direct a yeah. Bond movie for I'd like.
1: I'd be, a, I'd be pumped for that. For, that would like, be a great pick.
0: A good like violent kind of uh, Bond movie good action style so people like that i think it kind of depends on what take what kind of route you want to go for your bot if you want to be like okay we're gonna go more of like the john wick style raid i think alexi alexander could do that if you want to be a little bit more like mission impossible of like a globe trotting kind of thing i think a steven spielberg could work
1: yeah I, i the ones i had written down for dream bond director just like guys i thought of were obviously spielberg just because he was so close to making a bond movie for so long and then just never did. And then made Indiana Jones instead, which is completely like based off the character. But if they made a new series and it was more of a throwback to like the eighties bond, um, like seventies, eighties bond and brought back Spielberg, I think that would be the perfect director. If that's the tone they're going for. I agree with Joe on like, if they want to go like my pitch for Octopussy from our, from our episode, when I picked Andrew Koji and went more John Wick, raid style action. I think Gareth Evans is a perfect director for that style. And as well as Alexia Alexander, someone I think would be great to have uh, that too, but I don't think she would do another franchise. She might not have a connection with, so I don't know what her, her baseline is because she didn't have a great time with Punisher Warzone. I don't think by the end of it because of people's reaction, but she liked making it. Yeah. Um, the, the one person though, I really think honestly my dream director for the next Bond movie So Craig is done after no time to die. They say, we got a new bond. Who are we going to get to direct? It's gotta be Martin Campbell. He did GoldenEye, which was Brazen's first movie, which is one of the best ever made. And he did casino Royale, which was Craig's and it was the best uh, bond movie ever made. So I think bringing back Campbell for a new bond would be really cool. Um, And I'd like to see him kind of get back to doing a bond movie because he's made two of the best. And I think that's a cool thing while he's alive It'd be cool to have a director that, like, comes back to the franchise every time you introduce a new Bond.
0: And they're they're different tones, too. It's not like Casino Royale and GoldenEye are, like, very similar, where it's clear that they're the same director, you know?
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, Also, going to it, just because um, I want to see what Tristan says, but the other director I was thinking of is, if you're going big name, you've never had a woman direct um, the Bond franchise, Catherine Bigelow you know you'd get a big name director in there it'd be big news it would uh you know it's like oh we got you know the 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 first female director to ever win best picture and and I think best director like that would be that would be sweet to have her um come in and do it like if you're going to go I think they should if they're going to branch out like if they're not just going to bring back Martin Campbell I think Catherine Bigelow is is a good uh good director to attach because honestly the Bond movies like Nowadays, you have bigger name directors making them, but for the most part, in the in the franchise, you haven't had a lot of big names um, at the helm.
2: Yeah, I have a couple people on here. Uh, like we mentioned, we're gonna. Me and Joe are doing a pitch battle on Bond movies, so I want to give away two of my best people but I you know for the show I'll give a couple of my leaning picks for some of these maybe interesting because
0: I I specifically didn't say my people obviously I gave one because spoiler one of the rules for the episode is one must be directed by Steven Spielberg so that's Mm -hmm. why I said Spielberg so I didn't intentionally give away one of my picks but Mm.
1: I
2: have one of the ones that I'm mentioning is one that is in the consideration but none of these are ones that are settled for me so uh, most of these are ones that I'm not using but one of them is one that I might be using so take notes Joe I think uh, a couple of directors that are having some nice comebacks recently that I think might be a good jump on to a franchise is Guy Ritchie. He's having a bit of a revival recently, and so is Steven Soderbergh. I thought No Sudden News was a really uh, strong return for him. So I think both of those are people who their peak style would have fit well with Bond. but They've kind of fallen off uh, recent years. So I think both of them could do interesting takes on Bond. Guy Ritchie, I think, would be doing a nice like Roger Moore style, a little bit funnier kind of Bond versus I think that uh, the, uh, Steven Soderbergh would be doing a bit more of like a sleeker spy thriller kind of Bond, which I think both would be interesting directions to go in the future. For some smaller picks, I have uh, Jeremy Sjallner, who uh, directed Green Room. I think he would be able to do a really tight Bond thriller, like an action-oriented Bond going into a base, mission goes wrong, he has to get out type tight thriller. I think he'd be able to bring some grit and some really tight uh, action towards to the Bond franchise again. I think he'd be a good pick. And I think uh, if if Shang-Chi is as good as people are saying it is, the action is, I've heard really, really good things about Shang-Chi. or uh, Shang-Chi, I don't want to say it wrong. but It's, it's Shang, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. I think if that action is as promising as it seems in the trailer, as people are saying, I think he'd be a great director to come in, even if they, and I think putting even uh, an Asian uh, person of color in some way in the in the lead would be a good fit because the, i think they're going to try and change it up so it's not just like a white dude for the next bond but we'll get to the casting down in a second but yeah i think that would be a really good pick he's had some good dramas and if the action is is good in, on shang chi i think he'll be able to pull it off really well so i think that would be a great director choice
1: yeah i, I really like that. that i'm super excited that's like my most anticipated marvel movie in a, in a while um, his name is Destiny really... daniel
2: Cretton. i didn't want to not say his name there you go. He yeah, also directed uh, Short Term Twelve and Jess Mercy, which are both pretty good. Short
1: term Twelve is one of the one of the best indie movies, you know, out there. I, I recommend it. So yeah, going from that to doing like something totally different with Shang-Chi, I would totally trust a uh, a Bond movie over to, to that. That's a great, great choice. Um and yeah, put Andrew Koji in there. Boom. There you go. That's the movie you described. Um all right, so that brings us back to the wheel, and I forget who actually spun that one.
0: It is I spun it, so this is your spin. So I'm
1: up. Alright.
0: See what you get. That. Round and round it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Except <laughs> for one of the eighteen choices that Oh, perfect uh perfect pairing. Uh we have Dream Bond casting.
1: Alright. So. Well since I will be the judge of your guys' fight, I didn't wanna <laughs> spit out a bunch of names, so obviously Andrew Koji, I already pitched him i think going more into it he obviously has the physicality i'd love to see more kind of hand-to-hand combat and bond movies like they like to copy what's out there and that is the style of action movies now so that's what you got to see and he has the charisma and the charm and the sarcasm to be bond i think bringing in like a really sarcastic bond who's just a dick to people again like would be would be good craig kind of has that he's kind of on and off with it but Andrew Koji could be maybe a more charming version where Craig is like a more serious version on that. Um, And the only other guy I have on there to mention, because I either, he's like the only actor I can think of that needs to either be James Bond or a James Bond villain is Daniel Kaluuya. Um, I think he has the charm and the swag to be Bond. And also he could be like a, uh, like an awesome Bond villain. So they could go either way with him. Um, But I I think he would be really good uh, as Bond. It would be different than anything we've seen him in. But he's really good in um, Widows uh, as just like a small role as a little like a villain in there. And he's really intimidating. But he looks smooth and he he has a look. He has the style. He is mostly in movies that he has an American accent. You don't really hear his main, like his, his normal voice unless you hear interviews and stuff or Oscar speeches. But yeah, put him in. As Bond, I'd be totally sold. So I'm excited to see what you guys think, and I have to pee, so talk.
2: <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure how much effort to put into this, because yeah. I didn't want yeah, to give away all my casting
0: either, because I was like, uh Like, I've partially tried to stay away from some of the big fan castings that people have done. Uh, like, I see Tom Hiddleston's name around, and I don't really see him as Bond at all. And uh, some of them, some of the bigger castings I have, but a lot of it I just tried to avoid avoid that for the most part. Um, it's very hard. And now I'm trying to remember who I even had because I don't want to <laughs> leak any of my names. But yeah, I mean, there's some good options out there. Like, there's Tom Hardy's been a name that's been thrown around. I know Idris Elba has a lot, has had a lot of push for him to be the next Bond, but I think his biggest problem that he could face now is that he's just getting older. He's like 48, 49 years old right now, and if they were like looking for their next Bond to be their Bond for the next... Ten years, it's like he's gonna end being you know almost sixty, and that was a big problem with a lot of the later Roger Moore movies. Is he's supposed to be this hot, you, you know, suave guy, and he's out there like sixty years old, hooking up with women in their twenties, and it's like weird.
2: Yeah, I think the only yeah. way Indus Elba casting works at this point is if it's like a one off or yeah, a two a, off type thing. Yeah, if he's like or maybe you get a trilogy guy. out of him. Yeah. yeah.
1: If they you had basically like... have to shoot a trilogy, like at the same time and release them like three years in a row, which they don't do for bond movies. You get like four or five years in between them at this point. So at the rate they make the bond movies, I really don't want it to be anyone um, older than Craig. Like when they cast Roger Moore, he's, he's older than Sean Connery. So he got old quick in that franchise by like his second movie. You're like, he looks pretty old in this. Like, and, and he aged, you know, like I love Octopussy and A View to a Kill, but he looks so old in those movies. It's like a grandpa being James Bond, and you don't want to see that, especially when the, the woman with him is not age appropriate. Like if they did it uh, in uh, Idris Elba movie and the Bond girl was older, like same age as him, maybe older than him, I think that would be a different take that you could do and just do like you guys said, like a one off, one off or two off, like quick. You know, Stop make a movie, movie and then two years later make another movie. You can't keep going with it so i i think it's got to be someone in there at least like i think bond is a dude in his 30s yeah i think of him started, like batman like Bo- then,
0: yeah, bon- yeah batman's supposed to be like 39 and i see bond is kind of the same way
1: yeah i want someone who's like 33 to 36 is yeah. like the prime age for someone playing bond or like if you want to go a little younger you could do it um but yeah all in all like i i think my dream bond casting Uh, since you guys don't want to completely give away your picks, I'll do this instead, change the question a little. Who would you guys have liked to have been Bond? um, That's now not, you know, a choice now, but like instead of someone else or just, it would have been cool if we got a movie with this person, like in the past.
0: Liam Neeson, I think Liam Neeson was in the running during the Pierce Brosnan movies or like when they were hiring Pierce Brosnan. And I don't know if I would take away Pierce Brosnan, but I know at the time he was, he wanted to do more oscar type movies. He wasn't interested in action movies, so he turned it down. But I think a Liam Neeson type of Bond movie could have been interesting. I would have liked to have watched that.
2: Yeah, uh, One that I think for me, like a modern person that I would have liked to see in Bond is Henry Golding. But I think he was the leader of Crazy Rich Asians. And I think Snake Eyes, unfortunately, didn't do well at all. And, and probably bad enough that he'd never get the role at this point. But I thought he was pretty good enough to sell the action in that. So he would have been someone that I would have liked to have seen in that role potentially
0: Brosnan was on Remington Steel uh, which was like a failing basically spy show at the time when he was hired as Bond so I don't know if that would necessarily 100% take him out of the running it would just probably it doesn't help his chances but then again I guess if he's leading another if Snake Eyes is a big hit and he's leading another franchise I could see it being the opposite way of like oh, he's snake eyes, so people might not associate him with Bond, so we don't want him to be our Bond. So I can kind of go either way with that.
2: I also think a good uh, deep cut casting would be the woman who's playing uh, the lead female of of Ted Lasso. I can't remember her name right now. The actress's name is Hannah Wastingham. I think she would be really interesting. I think a female Bond would be great, and I think making a bombshell blonde type character i think that's like the, the epitome of a bond girl and taking that and turning it into being bond themselves i think that would be a really interesting casting and she has like the kind of confidence in the she's slightly older too so i think that would be a good move for for that kind of a yeah. character so yeah i think that would be an interesting casting too
1: yeah the one that i would have liked to have uh live in an alternate reality where these movies exist Um, the runner up that was almost Bond when, uh, Craig was chosen was Henry Cavill. And I think, you know, you got to see him be Superman, but all of those movies disappointed me. And I think he is great. He's awesome in a man from uncle and you kind of get a, uh, a taste of what his bond could have been, but it's a little more humorous than like his, his bond movie. I would never have, I would never take Craig out of the movies, but I would really like to see henry cavill be bond and i don't want them to announce him as the next bond because he'll be in his 40s by the time yeah. they make the movies so
0: and i think you see a little bit of his out. fighting and physicality in uh, mission impossible six too
2: yeah what a brutal performance too yeah that that's that um movie definitely sold me on henry being like a what if bond essentially at this point it's too late especially because he's been superman i think that would be too much of like a franchise crossover thing for them to want to do that but that would have been a good casting and yeah unfortunately as much as I like the superman movies he was in they haven't been successful and he yeah. he i think he would have been much better fit for the bond and that I think yeah. would have helped him on his career because I don't think he's necessarily had any big hits since Superman he's kind of become kind of stuck with those movies people wouldn't necessarily like that much so I think bond would have been a great move for him
1: yeah yeah i I think uh like if you could pull movies from that universe like maybe they go a different tone it's not as dark like You know, like Quantum of Solace, the whole reason like that movie was even as dark as it was is because it happened during the writer's strike. And Craig um, handled a lot of the writing and everything and like involved in it. Um, And, you know, they kind of expanded on that. So if Henry Cavill comes in and he's more of a charming guy, a handsome dude, and they kind of go, maybe it turns into Brosnan and it gets a little wild at this point. Um, And it's not as like grounded as they try to stick with Craig, but either way they went with it. I I think he would have made some interesting, uh, interesting Bond movies.
0: All right. Tristan, you ready for your spin of the wheel?
2: Give me a good spin, Joe. It's all on you.
1: Uh, It's all on Joe and the click of a button.
2: Countdown.
0: Ooh, another pitch. What do you got to pitch? I get all the pitches now.
2: You have to pitch yep. a Hitchcock Bond movie. A Hitchcock Bond movie. Uh, okay, I didn't take as many notes for this one. <laughs> uh, So, Hitchcock, I would probably say you got Jimmy Stewart. He would be a perfect Bond. I think he has that, like, suited charisma, charming kind of guy. I feel like Jimmy Stewart would talk his way into anything that he wants, of course. Jimmy Bond, you're, you're beating Casino Royale, so you're the first of Jimmy Bonds. Uh, Grace Grace Kelly would be a great uh, Bond girl, and I think she'd be a great Hitchcock. She, Of course, we're with Hitchcock, but I think she would be a great, uh, like, bubbling Bond, kind of perfect girl for Bond to have. And I think basing it around a murder mystery, Hitchcock is kind of like a murder mystery, at least in some of his best work, it has this sort of driving mystery around it. So I think having something like an agent goes missing, an agent dies, and now Bond is tasked as the sole person who's able to kind of solve this mystery and you give him a ticking time of course where he has to solve it within you know, a nukes going off, some kind of some kind of stakes that would give him a, a timer. And I think Hitchcock could serve sort of really great under a timer kind of thriller where Bond's having to figure out what happened, of course, and, and track down whoever whatever Spectre Agent is behind this and solve it before the time runs out. But I think a tight thriller with a time clock in the background and that would be a good cast too. I think I think uh, Jimmy Stewart would be an interesting Charming Bond. I would like to see him give some kind of Bond monologues and stuff like that. So it would be a fun work. And I think Hitchcock also, of course, that's the rule, but I think Hitchcock would be an interesting director to have worked with Bond in the past.
0: Right, this is, I know Johnny might have an idea. This is kind of my take of what I would be, is you kind of flip the perspective. So I feel like Alfred Hitchcock might be interested in something like that, where basically you have a, it's the perspective of like a woman that works in a casino she's just kind of like this young, inexperienced person, and she's the one that kind of gets swept swept away by this, like, mysterious mysterious guy who she's kind of en- enamored with and with, you know, sees herself attracted to, and then she kind of realizes that this guy's kind of like, somewhat of a psycho killer, you know spy, James Bond, I was thinking like a Michael Caine kind of casting if you wanted to be like, he was given James, like when Sean Connery's so out. Yeah, Sean Connery's out. Sean Connery's out. They're looking for the next Bond. They hand it over to Alfred Hitchcock. So instead of like George Lazenby, you get kind of a, you know, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, uh, Michael Caine, James Bond. And I, I could see it from that perspective of it's kind. Of, they do like it was like the Spy Who Dumped Me or whatever with Mila Kunis, but like an actual like serious, legitimate take on it instead of a, you know, weird, goofy, dumb take of just like. woman's perspective who gets kind of forced on this worldwide mission with uh, basically a more realistic take on James Bond instead of like this suave, smooth spy it's like this kind of crazy over-the-top scary guy
1: yeah I I think um, for me what I would have really liked for Hitchcock because at the time like let's say it's the 60s and you give Hitchcock Bond I think he has enough of a say to do whatever he wants with it And I think he could stick to, um, I love the movie from Russia with love, but the book from Russia with love focuses literally like the first half of the book is focuses all on the Russian agent, um, Red Grant. So I think Hitchcock could have made a really cool from Russia with love where the first half of the movie is the villain. And then the second half you introduce bond and then you get their meetup in the finale and you have a little, crossover here and there and then you get their meetup in the train at the end i think hitchcock could have would have been able to do that and have the pole to be able to be a little faithful to the book and do something like that and red grant in the book has this weird thing where he kind of goes crazy on the full moon so like i think hitchcock could have done something like vertigo style with that um and made him like a really crazy character and, and i'd like either the same casting they had um or like James, uh, I think it's uh, it's James Mason, right? From North by Northwest, would have been a good uh, would have been a good Bond in a, in a Hitchcock movie. So I think that would have been interesting uh, casting. You get a little older Bond, but you don't have to really have him be as physical. And then you get um, this focus on the, this young Russian agent, the upcoming guy that's like mission is to kill Bond. It would be really cool to see Hitchcock do that, like split his movie up basically in like three parts, like. The Russian agent part, the bond part, and then the meetup part would be really cool. And I think Hitchcock could have done something awesome like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'd be 100% interested in that. All right. We had three uh, different interesting takes, and I believe it's now my spin again, right? Or no? Yeah. because I spun
1: that. Yeah, because so yeah, that year. was every every pitch. Uh, you can count on that being uh, Tristan.
0: All right. So uh, let's see if I get something fun.
1: We
2: haven't hit a lot of the actors yet.
0: Uh, there we go. I get to talk about my man, Sean Connery. Yes, Sean Connery, obviously, I mean, of the official James Bond movies, was the first James Bond started off in Dr. No. And he was kind of the template that I think everything is relatively based off of as far as performance and what people imagine James Bond to be of like the suave gentleman spy. I, I think to kick off the franchise, I don't really know if you could have gotten anyone better, especially. I think part of my problem with those movies is it has a lot of like that 1960s acting where it feels it almost. If you close your eyes, it sounds like they're just reading, and there's not a whole lot of reacting. Uh, but I think as far as like when those movies came out, I feel like he was a great James Bond, and that's kind of, and I and you know, and sometimes you gotta go further, and there were some more unofficial James Bond movies like The Rock, which I consider to be a James Bond movie as well as League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, But also not really because that movie sucks. But The Rock is great. But yeah, <laughs> Sean Connery.
1: Yeah, it's funny because, like, Sean Connery, similar with Lazenby except different route, were both models. Um, Connery was, like, a fitness dude. He was, like, Mr. Universe, and he was, like, the hottest guy in the, on the planet when he was cast as Bond. Um, but he had the acting chops, so it turned out, and he was really good he could really sell the character um the thing is when you watch the connery movies he kind of ages out of it pretty quickly like you get the first three which are great and by you only live twice you're like he kind of looks flabby like he doesn't look like bond like he's not like him in dr no or from russia with love um and then you know all of a sudden he he kind of gets like he loses any bit of abs he had he kind of gets a belly and then he leaves because, um, he wasn't getting paid enough and there was a lot of drama in the studios. Um, he asked famously, he was on, uh, some talk show, probably Jimmy Carson uh, Carson at the time, uh, Johnny Carson. And they asked him who's like the greatest, uh, who is the biggest villain, uh, in the James Bond movies. And his response was, uh, um, Rob or, uh, what's his name? Robert Broccoli or Albert. whatever, Albert Broccoli he says was like the biggest villain of the bond franchise so you know he there's obviously a lot of drama there he left and then they bring in Lazenby and he doesn't come back so they sign Connery you know the whole dispute was mainly happened during uh the shooting of you only live twice because he's in Japan and he is the biggest star in the world so he can't go anywhere he can't go to the bathroom without people following him in and taking pictures and asking for autographs and he's just like I don't get paid enough to deal with this shit. Like I'm the biggest star in the world and I don't make nearly enough. I should be like the highest paid actor in Hollywood. So he leaves, they bring him back for diamonds or forever pay him. Like I think at the time, which was unprecedented, but at the time it's wild to think about what it was like. 1.25 million was like his number that they brought him back for. And because of that diamonds are forever struggled as a movie because they didn't have much of a budget for anything else. Um, So they're stuck in like one location. You're in Vegas the whole time. You don't have the special effects budget at all um, for like real stunts and stuff that they were famous for at the time. So I don't know. You have this whole drama with him, but I think overall he's a, he's a great bond and you get diamonds are forever is closer to a Roger Moore movie than, um, than a Connery movie. If you look at the whole thing, but I don't know. I just think he, he looked the part. He was great. He had a toupee most of the time and it's only noticeable in the later half of his his Bond career, but it's super noticeable when it's noticeable. Um, Like even in, I think he looks the best and his best performance might be in Thunderball, but that movie is so boring. It's tough to really give him uh, the credit for it. But my favorite Connery story from those is in Thunderball, he's in a pool and a shark swims out and you see this reaction of Bond being like freaked out, like what the fuck? And that was a real reaction because they didn't tell Sean Connery that there was a shark that was going to be in it and i think that might have played into the whole drama behind the scenes because yeah you got a great shot in the movie you get a genuine reaction but i'd be pretty fucking pissed about that if i was sean connery and you didn't tell me that there was a shark about to swim right at me and that happens and um and yeah you get a lot of stuff like that it, it's a weird weird dramatic uh behind the scenes of the franchise like we mentioned especially in the in the connery days but i just think overall he he put the character to life. We wouldn't have the Bond franchise as we have it now without without Connery and the you know iconic Bond, James Bond and Dr. No. And I think he's just he's just awesome. Connery was great in everything he did, even past the Bond movies. Like Joe mentioned The Rock. Um anytime he showed up, like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And you know, uh, famously passing on the Matrix.
0: And uh, that other movie, the uh uh Last Crusade, Indiana Jones.
1: Yep. Yeah, also, he's he's amazing in that, and and it makes. He's sense also only get...
0: thirteen years older than Harrison Ford, apparently.
1: Wow! Know, right.
0: And also, uh, fun fact: the next movie on my James Bond watch through, Thunderball. So.
1: <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> yeah, you really say... hyped it up
0: for me, so I'm real excited to watch it.
1: Yeah, I think you, i, I to think... see what you think of it because it's one of the highest rated of all time, but it's a very, but I it's my least favorite because it's so fucking slow.
2: Yeah, I think it's definitely slow, but it has a lot of that cheesiness that you see in the Roger Moore movies starting to come through. So I think if you if you're a fan of the kind of cheesy hokiness of the later Bond movies, this is kinda of like the beginning of like Goldfinger of course is like where that begins, I think. But then I think Thunderball is a step towards the cheesiness. <laughs> so that was my thoughts on that. But yeah, Sean Connery for me is absolutely incredible in this role. Like he kills it in like everything that he's like. Of course in the later movies he's kinda of phoning it in a bit, so he's not giving the the effort, but Prime Connery, like those first three, four movies, I think he's just absolutely fantastic. He kills that charm. You know, I think that's a, a huge part of Bond is that charm, and Sean Connery is the most charming of all the Bonds. He seems like the guy who could talk his way into any room and talk his way in any woman's bedroom, you know, and I think that is kind of what Bond is. You know, he, he has that charming exterior, but he has that killer on the inside, and I think Sean Connery plays both sides of that really well, but he definitely plays the charming side perfectly. You know, and He seems like that guy where when he's talking to you, you're thinking he's just hitting on you, thinking he's coming on you, but in reality, he's getting information out of you. He's slowly but surely worming his way into more and more knowledge about whatever situation he's in. And I think Sean Connery sells that spy role perfectly. I mentioned Goldfinger to me he was the one that sold me on Bond and I watched his first two movies and I thought those were fine, but Goldfinger I was blown away by and I think retroactively it made me like his performances in the first two even more. He definitely falls off, but towards the end but for me i think he's definitely still my favorite of the actors that played bond i think he captures it perfectly every aspect of that character he just nails i think other actors do the the killer side of bond better but i don't think anybody does like the charming talk your way into a room bond better than sean connery and i haven't finished some of the other bond movies but it'll be hard for anybody to knock sean connery off the top for me
1: yeah and with connery too it's he's the most believable as the He'll do anything for the mission, like, you know, outside uh, history, okay, you get into some things anyway, so maybe this is why, but, I mean, you see him slap a woman on screen, which was something that happened in a lot of the 60s movies, like, you believe that more from Sean Connery's character than when they tried to do that with Roger Moore and it just was off-putting, you know, like, that doesn't seem like something he would do, but... The fa- like the actual novel character Bond that's I'm gonna do whatever for my country and for my mission, it doesn't matter how devious it is, like Connery really had sold that um as well. And you almost saw his uh actually I don't think Joe's seen Thunderball yet, but you almost see his balls because he wears a very, very small uh robe.
2: Yeah, very, there's not very... a lot left for the imagination in that scene. <laughs> no.
1: No. It's a little small blue robe and uh you know the terry cloth blue is like the the theme of Bond <laughs> movies. So, I think something
2: that, that hurts his overall standing as Bond is just those last few movies are so weak, and particularly he's weak in them. The movies might not be terrible, but like his performance is so phoned in, and yeah, he has that kind I of know, bad ending.
1: Is is rough. You can really see it scene to scene in "You Only Live Twice." Like some scenes, he's really into the character, and you can tell that probably is like the first stuff they shot. And then you get to some scenes, and you're like, he you, he does not want to be there. Like this is probably after weeks of just people being nonstop um, following around and paparazzi and he was just done with it. So you get a lot of that mixed in, but overall, I mean, even, even you only Live twice and diamonds are forever, which are his two worst movies are still super fun watches to me. Like I can always turn those on and, and rewatch them. Even though Connery by like, like we talk about Roger Moore looking old by the time he got like into his third movie diamonds are forever. Sean Connery looks just as old. Just yep. as old as uh as Roger Moore did when he was fifty seven and he was By the 20. end
2: I was almost embarrassed for Connery. I was like, just stop. This is this is almost hard to watch. <laughs> like by the last movie, you're like, this man is just like out of shape at this point. But at least he kept coming back, you know, and I think it would have been helped his career if he knew how to get out when he was ahead a bit. But it is a funny moment when he said in an interview at one point, like, I'm only gonna come back if they can pay me a million dollars and the studio was like, Oh, we could never afford a million dollars for a lead actor <laughs> and now it's like Actors are getting paid like $20 million, and I know the story came out, Robert Pattinson was only paid like $5 million for Batman, and everyone was like, $5 million? That's so little. And then it's like $5 million for an acting role, and then all the way back just a few decades ago, $1 million was like unheard of.
0: Oh, and I have one minor correction. I said Sean Connery is 13 years older than Harrison Ford. He's actually 12 years older than Harrison Ford. He was born august of 1930 and harrison ford was born july of 1942
1: so yeah i feel like harrison ford looked the same age through his entire career until he was super old yeah. and sean connery just got old so fast and then was the same age forever so yeah. like it was believable in last crusade like you would never you could watch that movie and then tell someone the 12 year thing if they didn't know that and they'd be shocked by it yeah um just because of the way both those actors kind of age differently um you know connery started going bald during probably during dr no but you don't really notice it yeah like he, he was losing his hair but you know feeling and it, it it's uh, by the time you get to diamonds are forever you're like this man does not have hair like his <laughs> head, that is that is not his hair <laughs> no all, all right, right so whose turn is it me your turn let's see what we got
0: Oh, perfect one for you, because you're probably the only one that could participate. Ian Fleming novels. So, let's talk about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang.
1: <laughs> well, famously, so Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was Roald Dahl. What's it? But Ian Fleming wrote the screenplay because him and Ralph Dahl were, like, good friends. And okay. they basically were like, Ralph Dahl was like, hey, if I write a James Bond movie, you can write Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So, Ian Fleming wrote the screenplay for... Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and Roald Dahl wrote the screenplay for You Only Live Twice, ah, which okay. people don't, don't really know. But yeah, that was kind of their their thing. So in a way, that is kind of, you know, it's a bit of his writing. Yeah. Um, I haven't dove like too deep into the novels as far as actually reading them. The only one I've fully read through all the way I'm currently doing For Usher With Love, but um, I, uh, I listened to the audiobook of Casino Royale, uh, which was voiced by uh, Dan Stevens, who was okay. Beast in Beauty and the Beast and in a bunch of movies. He's and The Guest. Great. And The Guest, yeah. Um, but Casino Royale is good. I mean, you get a lot of Ian Fleming. Like, it's definitely of its time. You get a lot of that in it. Ian Fleming famously pretty kind of racist and uh, hated lesbians. So you get <laughs> some of that in Goldfinger with him converting Pussy Galore to being straight like you get a little more of that which is a little problematic in his book so not everything holds up but if you read it as a piece of uh of time um the books are really good they're good spy thrillers they're ahead of their time um and so much of it carries over to what they are today i think like the best thing to say about the fleming novels is you get a little piece of it from every bond but you get some that are closer to the actual character we see like If you watch Dr. No, I think after you read Casino Royale, you get a new appreciation of it because he's very much like, this is the Bond that is in this book. This was their first movie. They didn't have the rights to Casino Royale. But in that book, it talks about him, every hotel room. The first thing he does is he like takes out a piece of hair and puts it over the the closet and checks things and moves things in certain ways. So he knows if anyone was in that room. Like I think that's really cool stuff that they get into in the novel that you notice in Doctor No, yep. only when you read the novel more. Like that was never something that stuck out to me until I read the novel and then watched that movie, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like that—that's exi- that's right from the book when he first enters the room. That's the first thing James yep. Bond, you know, would do. Yeah, the um, hair thing—he wants to see
0: the hair thing stuck out to me because I know that's like a big plot point in. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, the uh, all the presidents men. They do, yeah. they, they do similar things, too, because they're worried that they're being, you know, spied on by, like, the CIA and the FBI, so they start doing a lot of those things. So I wonder if, like, a lot of the real-life stuff, because that's real-life stuff that they did, was from James Bond or if it's stuff they thought of on their own. So it'd be kind of interesting to go back and be like, oh, we were, like, James Bond fans, and so we got the idea from that, and that's how we figured out we were being watched. Yeah.
2: One that stands up for me is that gets from Russia with love. I watched a lot of these back to back. So they all kind of start playing together. But when someone's like looking through a peephole at him in the mirror and he sprays the, he sprays like the yeah. shaving cream on the window. And then she walks over and there's like a second peephole walking through like another hole into the room. And I was like, that's like just ridiculous enough that it's stupid, but like stupid enough that I believe it. And he's like just casually covering it up and he's making it look perfect. For Russia with love has that too, where he walks to the hotel room and he's immediately checking for bugs, checking for this and that. So I think that's a cool little touch. I'm a, a couple hours into the Casino Royale audiobook. I'm hoping to get a, a couple of these books done this month because I decided I was going to dedicate this whole month to watching Bond. I might as well finish out the movies. I might as well read some of the books and then have a complete image of this franchise. So I'm going to read Casino Royale and I don't know which one we're all reading after that, but definitely Casino Royale because that's the first one. So I'm, I'm yeah. a few hours into it. But yeah, Johnny, like Johnny mentioned, it's it has aged. But if you read it as it within the time capsule of that time, I'm having a good time with it. Especially, yeah, as like an origin of Bond, you see how much of that character is present just in that book already. Like the little notes and the things we know as pop culture of that character is already there.
1: And one of the most fun things about the book is seeing how different they are than the actual movie. Like Casino Royale is pretty close, Um, not the '67 version, but the new version is pretty close storyline-wise. But they add some things, they update it, but it tells us a similar story. You get the torture scene and stuff, but they they even change how the character reacts in that that, um, sequence from the book. But, like, Moonraker is absolutely nothing. If you read the plot of the Moonraker book and then have seen the movie, they're two completely different things. It's nothing like that. The only similar thing is that Hugo Drax is a person. Um, But that's about it. And then same with, like, you know, there was a short story called... Um, Octopussy and the Living Daylights. They basically took titles from um, from novels or short stories for all their other uh, stuff. The World is Not Enough is um, Bond's like Family Crest um, Quantum of Solace is from one of the books um, and you basically pull all the titles from those until you get to some of the other movies but for the most part um you basically just they just rip titles off them and then like the living Daylights* has nothing to do with that short story neither does octopussy other than the fact that there's an octopus in it um but you know that short story is literally bond going to basically convince a uh uh i don't know a i don't know the word but someone who used to be an mi6 who was like turned against them or whatever and given names and stuff he goes to convince him to kill himself and by the end he he does so you know, it's, it, it, there's a lot of interesting stuff I recommend if like, if you're not even a big reader, uh, check out audiobooks for it because they get a lot of big name people like Bill Nighy does them and not the science Nighy, guy? like, Joe oh. thinks, no, oh. um, and, uh, and Dan Stevens, like I said, but they get basically like pretty good British actors that do a lot of the bond books or check out the short stories and, and read those. I've read a little more of those than I've actually read the, the books, um, but I have listened to audiobooks. So, um yeah i recommend it i basically i get one credit a month so i'm downloading all the bond books every every month on on uh audible so that's the way i'm doing it but yeah i think that's probably all we have to say about the the novels as far as that but i think it gives you more of appreciation especially for the older bond movies if you if you read the books all right
0: uh tristan will give you spin of the wheel give me a spin
2: I'm definitely excited to read those books. Though. I'm, I'm hoping to read a couple, especially because I'm a fan of the older Bonds.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're just having a fun night, Tristan. Spinner must answer Bond trivia.
1: I was waiting for someone to get this. Oh, we God. Get to it. Of
2: course I have to do the Bond trivia. Why did I come up with this this wheel? You know, this is my idea. Yeah.
1: Joe, do you have a question or should I ask one of mine?
0: Uh, you can ask one of yours and I'll come up with a question.
1: All right, I'll start with my multiple choice one. Tristan, which of these musical artists was not offered the role of Max Zorin in A View to a Kill, who was obviously played by Christopher Walken? A, Sting, B, David Bowie, C, Mick Jagger, or D, Paul McCartney? Who of those was not offered the role?
2: I'm going to have to go ahead and say Paul McCartney
1: that is correct look at ding that ding.
2: you don't get a song and a role you pick one paul come on don't be
1: greedy well the funny thing is that actually um they offered frank sinatra a role in i think uh you only live twice and he was supposed to be in that movie and do the theme song and then both he uh, ended up not working out for either one but you're correct it was uh i thought maybe paul mccartney would throw you off because he did a he did a song so he was connected to the franchise. But yeah, famously semi famously, I guess, they um they kind of wrote the role with David Bowie in mind and he turned it down because he wasn't a fan of the franchise. And then they offered it to Sting and Mick Jagger, which would have been insane. Yeah, um, Mick Jagger but,
2: was a nice throw off. I was like, That couldn't have worked, but that sounds right? ridiculous I, I, enough. <laughs> I was like,
1: That's so crazy that they he was offered that, but yeah, at the end of the day, they, they were going after a lot of people. Rucker Hauer was another one that they were trying to get in Bond movies, and they offered him that role as well as uh, in Octopussy, the general in that movie. Um, they General Orlov, I believe. They offered Rucker Hauer a bunch of roles in these. So, yeah, the other, uh, the other fun bit of trivia from that movie is just that it was uh, Dolph Lundgren's first on-screen role because he was dating Grace Jones, and he was on set. And they were like, we need a dude to stand there with a gun. So... They basically just pulled him off the off the street and threw him in a movie um joe do you have a trivia question for him
0: yeah i don't have a multiple choice one this is more this is a deep cut uh, uh. but tristan do you know the behind the scene reason why the fish the behind the scene reason why the fish are so big in dr no's uh underground lair
2: Oh, I have heard this. It was something to do with the stock footage they had was it was too big in the background or something like yeah, that. yeah, pretty it? much
0: yeah, pretty much <laughs> that basically they told the guy to get stock footage of fish and uh, it just didn't really match or line up with <laughs> uh, the size of the screen for the underground layer. So they just said in the movie that it was like either a convex or a concave lens that enlarges the uh, fish That's so i love
2: that i feel like so much of this franchise is just like That's held together bar, by man. like duct tape and bubble gum, and they're like oh it oh, kind of yeah. works and they're like that actor lied to us and didn't speak english but he's somehow great in the role yep.
1: <laughs> and the he other even, actor's he...
2: never acted before but he's somehow the lead of our franchise no one decided to
1: check <laughs> up on that yeah no no one else talked to the guy it was just one dude in a room and said okay <laughs> but yeah the um the funny thing is like you get so much of that in that, but that's such a Bond thing. Like if you've never seen a Bond movie and aren't interested, I don't know why you're listening to this, but if you are, just watch any documentary about making of Bond movies. Like if you like film, like that will be, that will pique your interest for sure. So I can't wait to question. watch more
2: documentaries because I'm loving these movies so far.
1: Yeah. The documentaries are great. They, there's a lot of good special features on, uh, the Bond, uh, the Bond set. It's worth the, It's worth the price. Um, but I have one question that I'll ask for both of you, and we'll see what uh, if either of you can get this right. And I haven't fact-checked this. This is just something that I noticed watching the movies. But I will ask this question. What is the only Bond movie where he has never seen driving a car?
0: Oh, driving God. a car. Well, maybe you haven't seen this one.
2: I'm trying to think back through all the ones I've seen, remembering all the car scenes. Um, I'm, I'm guessing so, so, that it's going to be – let's go with Thunderbolt. No car
1: in Thunderball.
0: Maybe if you want to have a scene, I'm going to take a guess because a lot of that movie is sitting at a car table. I'm going to go Casino Royale. All
1: right. Well, famously, um, Casino Royale holds the record or set the record at the time of the most flips by any car. When he first the Austin Martin. Oh, yeah, right, the right at the end. The yep, torture yep, yep. scene, yep. and you have the scene of him winning the car at the at the table. Um, and what was your guess, uh, Tristan? Thunderball? I was guessing Thunderball. I don't think there's a lot of car in that movie. Um, but you do get a car chase of him in a car and uh, uh, the very sexy henchman girl in a in a helicopter. You also get him right at the that. in the cold open getting out of his uh, jetpack and getting in his car. Um, but the answer is. Moonraker. Um, oh. He is never. He never drives a car in in Moonraker. He drives a uh, gondola that becomes uh, that has wheels, and he goes on land. And a pigeon does a triple take. But he's never actually seen <laughs> in in a car. Um, like every movie has, like, okay, this is the one where he drives the Aston Martin DB5. This the uh, you know Brosen movies are when he had BMW, which sucked. Um, you know, you have a bunch of different stuff like that. Uh, but yeah Moonraker he didn't get a car from Q he doesn't have one and I'm surprised by that because it's more of a they wanted to go more of the sci-fi route and I thought they could have really done something crazy with like a gadgety car but didn't so that stuck out to me always and I don't know if there's another one that doesn't show him but every movie I'm pretty sure I can point to a scene and be like okay well I remember him doing this or that but yeah Moonraker he's he's never in a car you get a little chase on a gondola and a boat but that's it
0: All right. interesting fun fact of of the
1: day, yeah. There you go. Right. So I survived the bunch of you. I did okay. You guys did well. Um We do one more round, I think, of oh. wheel spins, and then we'll cut it. Call it quits. All right,
0: sounds, sounds good, good to, to me. me. Jinx. <laughs>
2: Give us some good ones, Jeff. All right, Don't so it's
0: my spin. Hopefully, I get some fun. Ooh, this this will be fun. Uh, Nightmare Bond casting. Uh, so I would say, like realistic people, don't be like Michael Sarah. Nightmare <laughs> Bond casting. One on one, I brought up earlier for like a lot of the fan cast I see is like Tom Hiddleston, and I just don't know if I could ever see Tom Hiddleston as, as Bond. And he's like one of the number one fan casted people I see. I, I just, I just don't know if I buy it. I feel like a lot of it. I just feel like he doesn't have the right persona. People are like, oh, he's like attractive and he has black hair and whatever, and he's British, so Bond. And I just feel like a four-year-old, an energetic four-year-old, could beat Tom Hiddleston in a fight. <laughs> so uh, that's why yeah, I that definitely like, don't understand Bond the casting. appeal
2: of. I see that a lot posted as, like a dream Bond casting. It doesn't and, work for me. I don't think he works in that kind of a role.
0: And Benedict Cumberbatch as well. I see when I was trying to come up with who to cast in Bond for my movies, I saw him fan-casted a lot, and I don't really see that either. So those are my two Nightmare uh, fan-cast
1: picks. Yeah. I have two... Uh, yeah, no, Tristan, you go. you go.
2: I have two that, for me, not necessarily that they would be terrible. and uh, These are, like, okay actors, but I think they would set a bad precedent for, like, what the, the movie would be if they were cast, and I think my number one is Tom Holland. I think he's a solid performer, but I think if he was cast, that he would be, like, way too young for the role, and it would lead me to thinking they're going to be, like, this very goofy very comedic kind of Bond. that's out of his element kind of character and i just don't think that would set a good tone for what i want for a bond movie i think another bad casting would be i like the idea of casting a woman as bond i really do think it's a good idea and a good direction but i think they have the potential to potentially overcorrect and cast someone like amy schumer or someone that really really goes against the type of bond that would be like oh we're really breaking the mold here it's not going to be like you're your Mago Robbie type character is going to be someone that's a bit more average looking, a bit more off the, off the beat. And I think that would, for me, spell that they're they're going to be like very much leaning into the fact that, Oh, this is Bond, but different. And it's not like Bond, it's, it's Bond, but it's a woman. And she says this and that, and she doesn't take stuff. And like, I think if you're going to change up Bond, you don't want to change it up so much as unrecognizable. And I think both of those actors would be ones that would change the character so much, it would become unrecognizable, even though I do like them both in other performances i don't think they would at all fit for the bond and i do think those are both directions i could i could see the studio wanting to go saying oh let's make it more comedic or let's make it a lot more political pol- politically like, comedic or
1: like jennifer lawrence mm-hmm. she was in that one spy movie like yeah um for this i i i didn't say this when we were talking about best but i disagree that you can cast bond as a as a, a woman because then it's just a different character like I would be super happy if they did a spin-off of the double O agent from no time to die, but you can't call that character James Bond because that's not the character. Like James Bond has two qualities. He's British and he's a guy, anything else you can change. You can change his race. You can change his personality. You can change anything about him, but I think those are the two things you need to stay. I think you can change the race, the age, the sex of a character. Um, if it's not something that's like fundamental to them. And I just don't see a female bond, like just to me, that is doing the opposite of what they would be going for of being like, Oh, we're being very progressive and we're going to have a woman bond. But to me, that just means you just don't want to make a movie featuring a woman without like an established brand behind it. And I think that actually weakens that rather than just like showing the confidence to make a movie about a female spy you don't have to call it james bond or anything like that you don't have to make it 007 um you can just make that movie and you don't have to make it you can connect it to the franchise sure but you don't need to and i think it would be doing the opposite of what they intend to do especially knowing this franchise they would do it wrong um so i don't love that idea um but i do love the idea of like bond movies doing like shows like we talked about on amazon prime and stuff and having female double O agents and stuff and connect as the bond universe. And you can have a female lead in a bond movie um, or bond like type of movie. But I don't know, like I want to see like an M origin story of Judy Dench's character. Like that would be sweet, but I don't need M to be James Bond. Like that's a code name and they're all, you know, James Bond, but I put for nightmare, bad casting. I wrote Idris Alba slash anyone over 40. <laughs> um, I, I don't have a problem with each Alba person, I think he, again, like I love Craig, but at the time Craig was cast, Al- Alba could have been good in there, but I just, again, you're, you're making a franchise that you can't make bond movies, apparently two years apart anymore. They're always so spread out. Um, I, I think you need to cast someone young enough. You need to do someone in their early to mid thirties and then have them in the franchise for 10 to 12 years and they're done by the time they're in their late 40s i i don't want an old bond but i don't want like you guys said like tom holland would be a terrible choice yeah. maybe he's a great choice in 15 years from now um and you know he you know, established if, himself if, more yeah, if, like, if... and he looks the part but he just looks like a kid and i don't want like C- cody banks james bond
0: and i also think he know, needs to be separate separate from spider-man in time so if like No Way Home is his last, like, at least solo Spider-Man movie. Maybe he pops up another MCU movies as Spider-Man. But then, you know, we go 10-plus years without him seeing him at all as Spider-Man. And he's aged, and he's done different roles, and he's been in, like, serious movies and stuff. And then they're like, Tom Holland is the new James Bond after whoever the next guy is. Like, sure. But right now, definitely not.
1: And, and like, the other thing with it, too, is, like, Tom Holland is already so famous. So is Idris Elba. I want the next casting... To be a person like we kind of mentioned in our in our dream casting of of people like Andrew Koji, like a guy who is not as established, not a huge movie star, but it'll put him on the map, and everyone will be like, "Yo, this dude, this dude's sweet." Like, I don't want it to be a big. You don't need to pick the biggest name on the market. Daniel Craig wasn't a huge name; he just made none of the bonds
0: really have been cast. Were like famous when they? I mean, maybe like some like Daniel Craig had been in a few movies, but he wasn't super famous when he was cast.
1: No, yeah, I think the best idea is. I think the best casting for bond is putting someone on the map rather than yeah. just taking the biggest name available like henry cavill now i don't think is a good choice because everyone knows who he is but he would have been a good choice in 2006 because no one knew who henry cavill was and he looked the part and that would have yeah. put him out that would have established yeah. him so i like the idea of getting someone um in their you know 30s who is maybe not as well known and is british that's all they need they need a british accent they don't even need to be British in real life, honestly. <laughs> the characters need to be British. They can be Australian. They can be New Zealand. Yeah. New Zealandish. So she, would
2: you be opposed to casting an American in my in a pitch for for
1: uh, James Bond movie? I don't think I would. Like I wouldn't love it if they announced that like, oh, we have an American dude playing the most British person ever. Is it, but like
0: Isn't it weird what? that like if Like, obviously, Henry Cavill, British as Superman, who, like, for the most part, like, truth, justice, in the American way. I'm like, whatever, don't really care, that's fine. They cast the American guy as James Bond, I'm like, eh, that's kind of shitty, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'm it doesn't of that really idea. bother me, like, Robert Pattinson's British playing Batman, don't care. If they were, like, uh oh. Tom Cruise, well, they wouldn't cast Tom Cruise, but if they were, like, whatever, random, like, Dylan O'Brien as the next James Bond, I'd be like, why, that's weird even if he could pull I, off a flawless british accent i'd be like why
1: i think it's mainly just because british actors are very good at playing americans and i feel like you don't really get that the other way around that's like true. i don't i can't point to like an american actor who primarily plays british characters and is good at it or famous yeah. for it like most american actors just play american characters and british actors play anything yeah so like that's that's like the main the main reason, I mean, if it was more common that you had crossovers of that, I think it would maybe be different, but yeah, just be weird. It'd be like, just get a dude with an accent. Like you don't even need a guy who's British. Like, um, you know, like we said, like Lazenby is Australian. Pierce Brosnan is Irish. Sasha
0: Baron Cohen is James Bond. There we go.
1: If you want to see Sasha Baron Cohen as James Bond, look up Ali G makes a, um, makes a spy movie yeah. and you can see him introduce himself as, "I'm um, James. James Bond.
0: What, what's the movie where Mark Strong was his brother, like that? The Brothers Grimsby. There we go. That's that's. that's oh. The... Really oh, intense that, scene that in that is... one.
2: I saw I saw a sequence out of context in that one, and I realized it was a scene involving elephants, I believe. And I was like, okay, I'm not watching the rest of that. If you want to see the elephant scene your Brothers Grimsby, make sure no one else is around you, and just look it up <laughs> on Google. All
1: right. All right. Well, that being said, no one has seen that movie except for yeah. Tristan. And maybe Joe.
0: Nope, haven't seen it. Just saw the trailer. All right, let's look, get to look.
1: our next, our next uh, wheel spin, which I believe is for me.
0: Yep, your final spin, and then Tristan's final spin. Oh, this will be a fun one. Bond songs.
1: Oh, I'm so happy you got to this. So we're going Bond songs. Um, obviously you have the classics like. Goldfinger. Um, Shirley Bassey is the queen. So, you know, she sent three movies. I, I hope they go that direction with Adele. I think she could do another Bond song because Skyfall is great. Um, but honestly, like if I'm going Bond songs, like I got to talk about the best and the worst because you get a lot of both. Um, my personal favorite, I think the greatest Bond song ever made um, is uh, from uh, the spy who loved me. It is incredible. It's uh, nobody does it better. Um, It's just everything in that song. Like you get a lot of songs that kind of describe bond, but don't say the name of the movie. This one says the name of the movie, which I think is important for like an, for like a perfect bond song. And um, it describes bond really well. It's talking about, you know, nobody does it better than him. He is good at like seducing and doing everything else. And, you know, Carly Simon has a really strong um, voice. And I think, the best Bond songs are the Bond songs by women who can really hit those high notes and those like real strong notes. So I, I love that. Um, But then if I'm talking about worst, obviously everyone points to Madonna doing die another day. That song is fucking horrible. Um, And it shows like the sign of the times. It was a bad idea in, in the first place to get Madonna. um, But it was an even worse uh, idea to get Madonna and do it in 2002 or whenever, when that movie came out, like, I don't, uh, that never made sense. She was a bad choice in the eighties when she was popular and she was an even worse choice in the two thousands. And then you get like some weird techno song where she sang Sigmund Freud uh, randomly. (laughs) Um, But I think the worst bond song is by two artists that I really love. And from a movie that I really love, but when you combine Jack White and Alicia Keys, um, their voices clash so much. And the song from quantum of solace um what the fuck is it called another Uh, way to die another way to die is the worst like it is something that like i would rather mute the movie during that part than listen to it and everything else Like even the madonna one like whatever i'm watching a really bad movie so it fits quantum of solace is such a great movie and that song is so terrible um Man, I wish in an alternate reality we could have gotten um, Amy Winehouse doing the Quantum of Solace song, and that would have been perfect. But they had uh, disagreements, and then she passed away shortly after. But I think she would have been able to do it for the movie. Um, Amy Winehouse would have been perfect. Alicia Keys by herself would have been good. Jack White by himself would have been better. But them together, it's just like, it's unlistenable. It's it's really, really bad when they when they try to do it together and yeah i wish they just did like a slow like you need a lot of bass i'm not as big into the ones that have like a lot of guitar um in them like i'm not big on the chris cornell casino royale one until skyfall other than skyfall you don't have a good theme song to a um daniel craig movie i i, I have to see the movie no time to die before i can fully judge the billy eilish song but i think that might be the second best so far so yeah i think uh alicia keys and jack white just that that song, Another Way to Die, the worst Bond song, even worse than Madonna, which is hard to do. <laughs>
0: uh, for for me, uh, my favorite's probably Live and Let Die, Paul McCartney, and The Wings. Uh, it's just, I mean, I, I even love the Guns N' Roses cover of it. I think it fits the movie. I, I agree with uh, Johnny on Quantum of Solace and Another Way to Die. Like I was watching the movie and that song kicked in and I forgot that song existed because it got radio play when that movie came out and I'm just like, this does not, number one, I feel like maybe in a different Tone Bond movie it could fit, but it it didn't fit that movie at all, and then for my personal least favorite, I'll have to go with Skyfall, and not because the song is bad, it's because I worked at a Dollar General, uh, when that movie came out, and we played Top 40 music, um, there was like a solid three months where we played top 40 music and then outside of that we never played the radio the entire other three and a half years I worked there. And that happened to be when Skyfall was like the number one song. So it played every four songs and I had to hear it 500 times a shift. And what on my watch through when I watched Skyfall I muted it. I can, I'm never going to listen to that song again. I'm over it. I'm sick of it. it song's fine. I've heard it too many times. I, it's my least favorite.
2: One that was definitely weak for me was the man with the golden gun. I think the lyrics are just so on the nose, it's like no one really tried comes out this right month. before
1: the kill. Come on, <laughs> man, that's a great line because he always has sexes on and then murder someone. Like that song is so direct, I love it. it. It's just describing the villain, you know, you get these tears of Bond songs, but yeah, yeah no, that was, that was definitely
2: great. one where I was like, they definitely like wrote this in like an afternoon and they were like that's enough maybe <laughs> we covered the plot we're good to go but i think <laughs> cheryl Crow's <laughs> tomorrow never dies is pretty weak too that's one of the ones it's yeah. in the mids for me but it's definitely lower of the ones that i've seen i was like well, yeah cheryl Crow, you could have had a really good good like high energy i know you don't like the guitar ones but <laughs> it wasn't necessarily that And I think that's one of the weaker ones in terms of wasting an artist. And yeah, Jack White, Alicia Keys, both of those could have been great, but together they don't mesh. And I think this song shows that, but yeah, man with the golden gun for me stands out. It's just like, no one was trying on this one.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the man with the, you can always tell when like the difference of when someone might just have the title of a movie like Skyfall or when they have the entire script, like the man with the golden gun, like they, they clearly just were like, Oh, here's the script. We're just going to describe this person. But I do love the Bond songs because you get all of these themes of it's either from Bond's point of view, from a woman's point of view about Bond, or you get like describing the villain. And like, those are the sense, like you get Goldfinger, Um, and you get, uh, obviously like the, the best one is the, is the Bond theme, um, from the original Dr. Nell, which is the classic theme that they were smart to just use over and over again. But you know, that was before they even had, like, the title sequence for the most part. That was before. Like, they didn't have the cold open. They just started with that and then went into the movie. Um, but, yeah, right. I just love it. Like, every – I love that this franchise just as a whole does songs, and it's such a conversation of who's going to get the next Bond song. Like, that's something that no other franchise has, and that's something so unique to a movie franchise that doesn't get talked about enough. Like, I think that's something – so cool and unique to one franchise, um, yeah. I
2: think that's so- definitely unique for Bond. Like, all kinds of blockbusters would be like, Oh, we have the- some artist that's a song for it. It's like, Oh, we got you know Demi Lovato to do the song for Trolls 2 or something. It's like that happens all the time, but it's rare that people actually give a shit and they like follow who's going to do the song for the movie and care about it. And like you said, Billie Eilish performed that song early and it was like a big hype. Like, Billie Eilish is going to perform the Bond song, and people actually cared. You look at any other Black blockbuster franchise that features artists like that; no one really cares to that level. And I think Bond shows a little investment that they always try, and at least, at least in the recent ones, I feel like they've at least got tried enough to get big names and try and like bring in the money and pay for the good stuff. And it doesn't always work out, like Alicia Keys and Jack White didn't work out. But I commend them for bringing in the money and getting the big names and trying to give give us something good.
1: Yeah, and if you want to just like look up alternate uh james bond songs for for things it's very wild to see um just like really random versions the man with the golden gun i think it was um fuck what's his name there was a metal artist that uh that did it um and it wasn't very good but he did the theme song to it and it was it was not great it was um I know who it is but i can't describe him he's like the devil dude people say he's like the devil i don't know
2: the, the devil, devil dude
1: yeah my, my favorite of
2: the songs is definitely goldfinger though I, th- I think it like every time that that core motif hits in the movie it's like <laughs> you feel it it's like and it's like you feel the hype of all these moments and they reference it in uh one of the one of the ones the janitor whistles it in the background and you're like oh they wish they referenced goldfinger and i think yeah the motif of that is so good and every time it hits it you like feel that sting of the of the horns and it's like oh what a, what a good
1: theme for that movie uh here it is tristan if you want to appreciate the man with the golden gun song a little more look up alice cooper's version of the man with the golden gun and you'll appreciate the one they went with over that so after we get done i recommend listening to that um but yeah there's some wild ones the uh and i agree with Sheriff crowe I I, Again, I think the best Bond themes, like you just mentioned Goldfinger, like Shirley Bassey, are women with really strong uh, vocals. And Sheryl Crow just can't hit the notes that you want her to hit. Um, And that's kind of the way I feel about Billie Eilish with this song. But she does hit hit like one in that song. And I just want to see how it, if it fits the tone of the movie, I think it's going to be possibly a top 10. But if it doesn't fit in with the rest of the movie, like Sam Smith's song um, for Spectre. I think it could be bad, but on its own, I think it's a pretty good song. Um, if you like Billie
2: Eilish, me and Joe are going to be talking about Billie Eilish's new Disney Plus documentary concert thing on our Disney Plus episode this week. Oh, yeah, She's dropping watch, like kind of like a live concert and, on Disney Plus.
0: Yeah, I got to watch that and Cruella this week for our Disney Plus review. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, any other should be a good week. Any other things? Anyone has anything to say about Bond songs?
1: I don't think so. I think we got one last spin and let's oh, get out of here.
0: All right. Spin, let's get something fun. Oh, perfect. What a perfect one to end on. What's next? What do we want to see from Bond after Craig is over? That's such a great ending. (laughs) I was hoping for No Time to Die, but I'm okay because we can kind of spin No Time to Die into this one as well.
1: Um, Yeah. So, Tristan, that's your spin. What do you think? What's next?
2: It's my spin. I definitely think the next move is to do a tonal shift. I think Craig kinda nails of like the 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 more serious Bond spy thrillers and I think their best move is to get outside of that seriousness, late into the genre that is taking over Blockbuster. I think whether it's like Suicide Squad, all kinds of stuff is coming out that's like really embracing genre and the more fun, ridiculous side of, of movies. So I think if I were if I were them, if I were EON if i were making this I would I would move towards the Roger Moore side of Bond I wouldn't necessarily go all the way to Roger Moore but I would go in that direction I would make it something more lighthearted, something that's more about the fun of watching Bond do these fun things and not necessarily about like the emotional toll of being a killer and the how he can't have any connections because he always loses them and the one time he opens up his heart he loses them and that's it's entertaining but I think it can be a little dire to get through and I think going more towards the fun side of Bond is definitely the direction they're going to go. I don't know who they're going to cast, but I have to imagine it won't be a white guy. They're going to either cast a woman or cast a black dude or some kind of person of color. I think that's the direction to go to make it a little bit more modern and relevant. And I, I think I'm excited for, for it a little bit more and give somebody else a different shot at it.
1: Yeah. Joe, you, you go and then I'll go.
0: Yeah, I I disagree to an extent. I think they're gonna copy what's popular. I think they're gonna go more of like that John Wick route because I think that's more of where the action movie would go. I could see them almost wanting to... because I feel like at this point Mission Impossible to an extent is almost the more popular at least with a general audience spy franchise. So I could see them almost wanting to go a different direction where that's the big globe trotting, world expanding, big stunt franchise where they're like, okay, those movies don't really have fight scenes, so we're gonna try to be like have good fight scenes. And you know, go that route and maybe have more of like a single location, like James Bond goes to like Japan, and the whole movie's just like in Japan. It's not like in Japan, in Rio, in Italy, and that kind of thing. And I could see it being more that route of more like a serious kind of more fight scene focused, not so much globe trotting uh, action set piece focused, like the Mission Impossible movies to set themselves apart.
1: Yeah, I think um, if you look at the franchise and you look at what's next, like I like I have mentioned many times um, on this podcast in the past is the Bond movies, what they always do is copy what's popular at the time. The direction I would like to see them go is what Joe mentioned and go more of a John Wick, um, The Raid style action movies. But the direction I'm very nervous about them going is basically just making Marvel movies. Um, I'm really worried about them just bringing in like a James Gunn or someone to direct a Bond movie and doing it like he's very quippy. um, And you get these really high stakes action scenes with a lot of CGI. And I just don't think that fits with the character. It just will lead so fast to die another day um, that I maybe that because that movie was made, they don't go that direction. But if they do, that's where it will lead. And I'm very worried about that actually being what they do. I think that is something they will do. Um, I, if I was betting on it, that'd be probably like the favorite of like where this franchise moves to after Craig and they go more towards a qui- quippy characters doing big action set pieces. Um, and I don't really want that. You've seen a little of, of that mixed in in Skyfall and Spectre with the shared universe stuff. Um, personally, the direction that I'd like them to go, um, if it's not the John Wick style, like Andrew Koji is Bond style movie, I want them either to just... Go back and be like, this is James Bond, but now it takes place in the 70s or the 60s and make like um, a 2023 movie of Bond, but it takes place in the 60s. So you get some of that technology that didn't exist back then. And he's like a super spy. I think that would be really fun. You do more of a period piece Bond um, that you could do throwbacks to some of that old style. Or I would like to see them just remake some of the older movies i, I want to i think you could take a crack at like the other big thing now that's popular is reboots so i think you could do reboots and be like all right we're going to do a different version of moonraker and focus it more on the book and rather than what we got in the movie or we're going to reboot which is what everyone kind of thought uh the big speculation specter would be like on her majesty's secret service or lead into on her majesty's secret service i don't think we're getting that now with the trailers uh for on uh, for No Time to Die, the final one released today. And I just don't think they do that. I think that it would have been awesome if No Time to Die started with Bond walked away with Madeline Swan, and then she's murdered at the beginning of No Time to Die, and then that leads to it. And you get this revenge theme throughout all of Craig's movies. Um, that's the direction, that's the other direction I'd like to see him go. Just do reboots. You don't even have to call them the same thing. You can call a movie property of a lady and do a similar storyline. I mean, it's it's canon. I mean, in the Bond franchise they've already you only live twice uh got remade and it was called the spy who loved me it's the same plot um but a totally different movie so i think you could do that um and do it pretty well i think that would be fun um and be interesting to see just like new takes on the old classics you know like i want to see um from russia with love with the pacing of of nowadays films and just compare the two and see which one holds up over time so I think that's a direction that i would like to see him go um but yeah realistically i'm afraid they go the marvel route um but i think if you're putting odds on it it's either they go the marvel route or they keep it down to earth and focus more on like hand-to-hand combat and what's popular in a lot of the action movies so they're going to go more towards superhero movies or more towards the john wick movies but because this is like a heavy hitting like makes a lot of money type of thing i think they copy um more like the fast and furious and marvel movie type of tone i just hope they don't go that way but I'm, thing, I'm gonna see them no matter what
0: one thing i think they could do if they wanted to do like the whole shared universe route because of amazon and we kind of touched on this a little bit because of amazon prime uh or amazon buying mgm if they wanted to do when daniel craig is done doing a hard reboot again on the franchise where like ray fines doesn't come back as m ben wishaw isn't back as q and you could do a thing where like johnny talked about earlier of like you have like an M Origin series or something on Amazon, and it's maybe a different actor, but it's still supposed to be like the same M that's in the current James Bond movies. And you could have like maybe a Double Double O Six show or like a Felix Leiter show on Amazon and it's your actor that plays James Bond cameos and makes brief appearances in it and it's the same actor as in the James Bond movie so you can kind of tie it in and have like a little bit of a shared universe maybe have Amazon Prime original movies with like 006 and that same 006 goes on to be in the next James Bond movie or something like that where it's still that shared universe but it doesn't have to be like the tone of like the Marvel movies it can be its own tone or whatever tone they go for of the next set of Bond movies
2: yeah, I think TV shows is a really great place for Bond to thrive. And I think you can lean into that premise of the reset in the character too and just be like, okay, we're going to give Idris Elba like a one season as Bond in mm-hmm. this show. And then the next season you give a totally different actor, totally different director, and you're like, here's a different tone. And I think the That's the cool. the premise of the character resetting like that, I think leans into TV really well. And I think giving him those one-off seasons are saying, okay, here's like a three-season arc with this one actor as Bond and then the next season it's a different actor. I think that's a really, really. Even if it's not Bond, you know, if we're talking about bringing in like a female 007, you could do like a Jane Bond type show and have that be the reset. Each season's a different mm. actress and different director. That would be really fun for me. I think. To, I think
1: TV is a, is a really strong place for Bond to go. Oh, something I just remembered because you mentioned um, Jane Bond, and it sparked something. Something I didn't mention with Bond memories that I'll throw in real quick before we wrap up is. When I was in elementary school, in art class, we had to do a claymation movie, like a short claymation movie. So my movie that I did with my partner at the time—I um, don't even remember who it was. Some, you know, you get—we got partnered up in class, and you had to make a claymation movie. Mine was called James Bond, and it was about James Bond's dog that goes on a mission to rescue James Bond who's been kidnapped. And I, I wish I had access to it and could like find the video because I remember making all the claymation. And then I had a uh, little, like uh, basically hot wheels cars. And I did a big car chase and one of the cars could split and look like it was like crash. So we did, I did this whole thing. So like ever since I was little, I've always been trying to make James Bond movies and pitches and stuff. So I, I thought that was fun. Um, a fun thing to do. So James Bond just spent something I've always uh, had in my heart. So let's wrap up the what's next with quick predictions for, what you expect from no time uh, to die because that's obviously what is next that comes out um, basically a little over a month from now. What do you guys expect from it? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Is it going to give Daniel Craig a good send off? Um, And what, what kind of like tone do you think they're going for based on the trailers? If you've seen them, I'll start with Tristan. What do you think?
2: I'm definitely looking forward to it. Daniel Craig has been a bit up and down for his movies. I think Casino Royale is absolutely incredible. And Skyfall is is one of the more acclaimed ones. It's it's the only young Craig I haven't seen, actually, as Skyfall. But he's a bit mixed. But I do think this is going to be a good one for him. I think the fact that it's his finale, I think they're going to really bring out the, the effort for this one. And whether they're saying it or not, I do think it's going to serve as not just a finale to Craig, but sort of a finale to Bond and set up a bit of a reset. And I think we're going to see a bit of the connective tissue like they had in Spectre. I don't think it's going to be as connected, but I do think they're going to try and tie at least the Craig movie's all together and make this feel like a bow on top of the Craig Bond and coming into the 25th movie I do think they're going to have connective tissue whether it's bringing back characters from the other movies or references to that kind of a thing I think this is going to feel like a grand finale to bond the 25 movies now of bond and they're going to find a way to pay all that back while also tributing. Tributing the finale to Craig, so I do think it's going to be a kind of a big climactic ending movie type thing, like the one that's a turning point for the franchise, and that's just another Bond movie. All right,
1: Joe, what are you? What are you? What are your predictions?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm kind of similar to uh, Tristan. I think it's going to be a solid movie. I kind of uh, Spectre is still the only uh, Daniel Craig one I haven't seen, uh, so I think. I think it'll be like an 80-ish percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Probably, you know, decent score. I think it's going to give a clear, distinct ending to Daniel Craig's Bond, whether he potentially maybe dies at the end or he just fully, full-on retires with, you know, whoever and rides off into the sunset. And that's kind of... And maybe, like, you see M completely, like, delete his file or something. And uh just to give kind of that clear, distinct ending where he's free, you know, there's no... Coming back so they can do another hard reset on the franchise, or maybe they kind of go into that fan theory. Maybe with the whole Skyfall thing of like him, them finding it out, maybe there's something where they decide that like you should, when you're a double O agent, you shouldn't go by your name, you should go by a code name. And so all of the future ones can be maybe in this um, same universe and they get the code name of James Bond to kind of go with the fan theory that people have had that, that James Bond is just a code name. Um, but yeah I think it'll be good Uh, I think like I said Tristan it'll give a clear ending And uh, one prediction I've had that uh, I've seen for this movie is uh, I can't remember the guy that's playing the villain but there's going to be a moment where uh,
1: Rami Malek
0: Rami Malek says something or you know Bond says something to his character of like what is it time to leave and he just replies no time to die to give the <laughs> I like
1: that specific uh prediction um yeah for me I have two predictions I I think for this one I think one it's going to be the closest we've ever seen James Bond look like Mission Impossible um just based on the trailers we've had and based on them they fail. Spectre made a lot of money but it was kind of known as a failure because they tried to do a. Th- and I think they un um they blame this on the wrong thing, but I think the studio probably blamed that on, we tried to make a throwback to the old school bond movies and that failed. So we're going to do something very up to date. So they make it very close to the new mission impossible movies, which could be good or could just seem like a ripoff. So I think it's the, I don't think it's going to exactly look like like the latest mission impossible, but I think it's going to be the closest one we see to that. Um, a lot of like high stakes action and stunts and stuff like that. Um, and then my other prediction is because A View to a Kill ended with uh, Roger Moore literally throwing in the towel. He throws a towel at the end, and that was him signaling, like, I'm done with this. I think the, the end of this movie, I don't think Daniel Craig dies. I think the end of the movie is him walking off into the sunset. So it's similar to what Joe kind of predicted, but I think that's the, that's the right way to do it. Um, he can be with a Madeline Swan, or he can be with the Bond girl now, or whatever it is, but it's going to end with a sunset in the background and him either driving off or walking off. And that's going to signal, um, Daniel Craig, thank you for your service. Uh, and you're out. So I think those, those are my two predictions. One is more general, but one is more specific. I think that's the way the movie ends. And I think that's the tone that we're getting. Um, and I, I hope it is like 80% of Rotten Tomatoes. I think that would be good. I, I, I hope it's as good as Skyfall. That is, that is my, it's not going to be as good as Casino Royale, but I hope it is on par with Skyfall that's what yeah. i'm hoping i think
2: this franchise needs something that's really uh a solid critical hit too because casino Royale was that and they haven't really had a runaway hit since that like skyfall was a claim but it wasn't like i guess it was a huge huge hit but it wasn't like something massive yeah. massive and i think this could be a potential for like one that gets everyone talking about bond again and that's what they need is bond to be like a prominent
1: franchise in the pop culture that's kind of again i hope so this had a lot of production issues so i'm a little worried about just like you know, they brought in new writers and they are expanding on this expanded universe thing and bringing back Blofeld. And I just don't know overall what it'll look like um, like film-wise, but I think there's going to be a lot of fun moments. And I think overall it's going to be quicker paced than Spectre. And I think people are going to respond quickly to that. And I think that pushes them more towards in the direction of what's next of the Marvel-type movies. Because they're going to go more of a like big action rather than spy thriller type of stuff. So that's that's uh that's what I think. Those are my predictions and I think those are good predictions by everyone. I'm interested to see if Joe's line is correct. I think someone might say no time to die, but I think it might be Bond. Um and yeah, like you said, like the no, time to die. Like that could be a good line before he kills Rami Malik's character. Like I think you could get either way on that could be could be fun. Yeah. So if that happens, I'll be texting Joe immediately. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, so without further ado, I think this kind of wraps up our, uh, wheel of bond, James Bond, uh, like Tristan mentioned earlier, uh, this week, I assume on Friday, probably depending on Tristan's schedule, we will have our Disney plus weekly review. We're going to be talking about Billy Eilish's, uh, concert thing. We'll be talking about Cruella because that's now free on Disney plus. Uh, we'll talk about this week, uh, this week's episode of what if, uh, so yeah, and uh, oh, next week we are doing a Mount Rushmore of James Bond for our Bond Month. The week after, we'll be doing a bracket. Uh, we'll we'll be putting all twenty four James Bond movies against each other. I think we're gonna seed that by Rotten Tomato score. I'm not sure. And then the final week of Bond Month, it's gonna be me versus Tristan and f- pitching five James Bond movies. So get ready to watch Tristan lose. Um, no time to die, Joe. Yeah.
1: No. Time to die.
0: All right. So. Yeah, and
1: and like I said, so next week, if you if you made it through all this episode, thank you for listening. But next week, I think the one day that might work for me, at least, is Monday. So hopefully, Monday works for us for next week's episode for the Mount Rushmore. So yeah, I'm not we will doing see whatever. And also, schedule A looks nice like Labor Day. Yeah, uh,
0: fight. I'm not doing anything, so I don't know about anyone else. But yeah, uh, without further ado, uh, I think that wraps this up. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change-Up Podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.